everybody, and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Oh, I'm first. Thank you. Yeah, it's tough to choose who to go first. Uh, Jacob Geller, friend of the show. Welcome back, sir. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Let's get into it. We're also joined by the most unbelievable guest of all. The the tarnished man himself is back in action. Serial Vasquez. Hello. You, you'd believe most of the things that I've seen. I assume so. Yeah, I kind of get the idea. Uh, welcome, everybody. This here is a big show. We are going to be talking about the one and only Elden Ring. You know, like for the last couple years, everyone's like, God, I want to know more about that Elden Ring. I want to play that Elden Ring. Uh, these three people have played it. They will be talking about it. Let's unpack it all. Now is the time to have a good time, as they say. Uh, then we're going to be talking That's a little actually bit about... actually that went at the start screen for Elden Ring. <laughs> That's what it says on the screen. Now is the time to have a good Wouldn't time. Wouldn't it be the most cool move in the world if just the game opened with a quote from Miyazaki and it just said, have a good time? <laughs> It's, it's actually like when you start a Resident Evil game, instead of saying Resident Evil, it just says, it's time to have a good time. Well, not not to, off, to put us off track too much, but is, yeah. there was like a marketing for Elden Ring where there was a quote from George R.R. R. Martin, and it the quote was it like that it looks good. Like he's like, I think it looks really good. <laughs> I would guess that's probably most of his contribution to the creation of this game. <laughs> I would think so. We'll unpack it all. But we're also going to talk a little bit about Capcom announcements because Serial's here. And if you know one thing about looking into Serial's eyes, you know that he's a fighter. So we're going to talk about some streets and all that fun stuff. Uh, then back after the show, Leo Vader is going to be joining us for some fun community questions because people submitted some really good stuff over there over on Patreon. I uh, like that you you characterized it as we're going to talk about those streets as if those are the important parts. <laughs> Fighting like, in streets. 34th and Hennepin, amazing street. One of my favorites. It's so good. When are they going to add more streets to this roster? Uh, all right. Hey, we got a, a question over there on Patreon. Joe Beezer wrote in with, I think, a, a killer. It seems to be on the tip of everybody's tongue these days. Uh, he says, hey, with how packed this year seems to be, will Horizon Forbidden West be overlooked? Will it be a repeat of Zero Dawn in 2017? Yes. Yes, it will. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Horizon Zero Dawn was not overlooked. You're it right. sold like 7 million copies. It, everyone like knew it and loved it. It, 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 was, it, a, is, it was a big game that well, people know about. I, yes. think, I think it was Dan Reichert, I think, had a good tweet today as we were recording this of like, I can't wait for Horizon 3 to come out to immediately be followed by one of the best games ever made, like within a few days again. Like, it's just like a sign of the times, you know? When Horizon's ready to come out, get ready for like a a, a game shifter, you know? It is so weird how it works. But I think you're right, Jacob Geller, that it's not like the end of the world to be considered overlooked. You're still going to sell millions of copies. You're going to have a lot of fans. People will be talking about you. It's just, what does that really mean? We see... 30% 30% fewer tweets about Horizon because another big game came out. Ultimately, is that what we're looking at here? Yeah, I mean, and I kind of think with maybe less so for this one, but it's like I think the audiences for Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn were pretty different. I think that the people that we saw talking about it are like games journalists who own all the consoles and whatever. Yeah. And in this case, it's like the new Horizon has a much broader appeal than Elden Ring, even though Elden Ring is, like, to our sphere, the most hyped game of all time. Like, I I would certainly recommend, like, more kind of casual gamers be like, hey, did you hear about that Horizon? More than, like, hey, did you hear about Elden Ring? Uh, but we love talking about Dark Souls, 
and its cousins. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I, it, it has a very like Spider-Man 2018 energy. Yes. Like everyone really likes it, but it's like not I think that the kind of the, the thing that everyone kind of is maybe a little miffed about is that like everyone likes it, but it's nobody's favorite where it's like it i i don't think it, it had a ton of like game of the year talk because of other better games but you know spider-man probably outsold god of war and i and it continues to be one of the biggest sellers on even ps5 so uh, like I, I i it's not a bad place to be i, I guess right yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It certainly could be worse. And uh, we'll be talking about it more on MinMax's YouTube channel because uh, soon, later this week, uh, probably Friday, realistically, we'll have a big Max Spoilers episode with Kyle and Janet and a friend of the show jumping on there as well to unpack everything about it. Does it feel like you were playing Horizon a, a million years ago, though, Kyle? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Like when we were talking about doing the spoiled, I was like, ooh, I'm going to have to go like read a, a recap of the plot. You know, uh, right, but right. yeah, I mean, Elden Ring has overtaken my gaming life and just deleted everything else on the hard drive for the past couple of weeks. Speaking of a million years ago, couple weeks. Well, I don't know. How, I, how long have you had it? I know I haven't had it that long. I guess I'm just saying that everything that I've played for the last couple of weeks. Oh, sure. has Sort yeah. of moved aside is what I'm saying. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Let's get to this sucker. The big Elden Ring. The big game. Uh, let's let's do our favorite thing. Boring podcast. Lay of the land stuff. Uh, first of all, before we get to that, I want to stress for everybody watching or listening. We will not be spoiling things in a big way in this discussion. We have to talk about the game, but we're not going out of our way to mention too many specifics, to spoil big moments, stuff like that. And if you're watching the YouTube version of this, I'm not going to play the launch trailer. The only video I'm showing is from the technical test area. So if you saw any of that, it's impossible for you to get spoiled here visually. So we're going to try and do our best. Um, but yeah, lay the land stuff. Kyle, uh, how far are you? How many hours in are you? Give us that fun stuff. Uh, I'm playing on PS5. I'm about 36 hours in. I think I'm like level 42 or something like that. So that's where I'm at. That implies that you've been going hot and heavy. Good lord. Yes. Okay. I I thought maybe I thought Sergal or Jacob were going to share their stats, but yes, I've been I've been playing a lot. Okay. Uh, Yeah, Jacob Keller, where you at, man? Uh, I'm playing on PC. uh, Have played 20 hours. Uh, I do also want to say I got it on thursday and i was out of town friday saturday sunday so i've played 20 hours in approximately three days jesus that's that somehow manages to be more than me i think even though i yeah. technically have also more level 39 so oh, hour per up. level doing pretty good look out <laughs> fellas uh serial where are you at man uh, I'm about 17 hours in okay uh, i don't know what level I, I don't think i've hit 30 um but yeah i've been i i was also out of town for but one of the things was that, like, I was I was there in a period where they had a birthday party, but everyone was working that whole week and I got there kind of early. So I ended up with a bunch of free time to just play uh, Elden Ring while people were actually at their jobs. So, oh, interesting. So it all works out. Uh, OK, this review embargo lifted on Wednesday and it felt like. The megaton of hype finally exploded. Everyone was getting pretty goddamn cheeky on Twitter for the last couple of days about like everyone. <laughs> well, <laughs> certain people were getting pretty Maybe cheeky. Some editors. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. You got to do what you got to do to get attention. But it is just like everyone seemed to be like ready to pop. And then Wednesday, uh, it finally popped. And it turns out, <clears throat> let me check these stats. Uh, yeah, currently the number one highest reviewed game on Open Critic is Elden Ring. 
Um, it turns out it lived up to all the hype, critically surpassed it even, seemed to be the consensus, but I'm curi very curious about this whole group. Um, Kyle, is this game of the year 2022 and we should all just stop talking about games for the rest of the year? Uh, no. Ooh. With qualifiers. I, I really like this game a lot, but, and I, I don't know if this is a, a negative, maybe this is just a positive, but like if this game was called Dark Souls 4, I wouldn't notice. There is nothing about this game to me that doesn't feel like an evolution of Dark Souls. Right? Like, like, like in terms of the lore, the plot, the way it worked, like, if suddenly there was a patch and the title changed to Dark Souls 4, I, it, it would feel right to me. For it a, wouldn't surprise okay, me very much. For a frame of reference, if Demon Souls didn't come out back in the day, though, just to let people know how hardcore of a fan you are or aren't, Demon Souls didn't come out back in the day, they released a Demon Souls game on PlayStation 5 and called that Dark Souls 4, would that shock you? Would the I'm trying to figure uh, out the jump from Dark Souls to Elden Ring in my mind compared to Demon Souls to Dark Souls, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. So Demon Souls and Dark Souls feel very similar to me. Yes. Is that that's the question you're asking? Sekiro is the one that feels like distinct and unique sure. and new. Kyle, I think it's odd to lead with a very nitpicky semantic thing for a game like Elden Ring. I I'm with Kyle here. Though I do want to say, I, first, I think they would have to call it Dark Souls 4 and 5 um, because that is how much content I think is in okay. the game. But I have been having the same thoughts uh, for the first like six hours, especially. I was like, wow, this is Dark Souls. This is truly just a Dark Souls game. And then the more I've played, the more I have been kind of impressed by the variety and the things that they have been doing and whatever. But it like... I think but, some of the hype felt like this is going to be new. And also the people who aren't into Dark Souls, you're going to be into this thing right. because like it's a revolution. And like, I, I don't think that's the case. I love this game. It, it feels yeah. like Dark Souls. Well, that, that's actually kind of the, the sort of circular point I was getting to, Hanson. It is maybe a weird jumping off point. But the thing that I was going to get to is like, I don't know that this is going to inspire new from fans. I think if you have been turned off by From Games in the past and you play this for a few hours, I don't know that you're going to have this revelation and be like, wow, this is the one that pulls me in because it's still very difficult. There's still a lot of like annoyances that just come with From Games that I just will always annoy me forever. But with, with all that being said, like, I really like it. Like, it is all I think about when I'm not playing it. It's it's that weird relationship I have with From Games where like I can't stop thinking about it if I'm not playing it. And when I'm actively playing it, I'm often very frustrated with these really <laughs> euphoric moments of like, wow, I got past the thing. And then I get right back to being frustrated again. And then I, I turn it off and then I'm like, well, I can't not play the game. I got to get back to it. And that's kind of like what my relationship with Elden Ring has been. Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, Surreal. Your mouth is open. Yeah, like I, I think this fish. is one of those cases where the the ridiculously high Metacritic score might actually work against it because I think uh, universal acclaim tends to mean that like, oh, that means it's very easy to like. And I don't think that's what that means. I think that at this point, the From Games have become this very, like despite them being huge, when it comes to who gets what at a at an outlet in terms of assignments for reviews, totally. I think everyone has their from guy. And I think what that what this what that score says about the game is that this this you could arguably say that this is the best one of those. But I think in terms of 
and I think there are a couple ways that it might be a little bit more inviting, but in terms of, yeah, if you've fallen off of these games and this game isn't doing much, like if these games have not done much for you in the past, there's not a ton here that is suddenly going to make it, oh, now these games, like, now this all makes sense to me. I love these games because of the way this game, you know, is more accessible or easier or whatever. Yeah. Um, So I think a lot of what I like about this game um, feels like significantly iterative on what Dark Souls does. I think there are some really transformative ways that I, that uh, this game, I think, improves on the Dark Souls formula. But a lot of that is like, because I'm a From, uh, From Soft fan, I can appreciate like, oh, they did this and this is like working off of what they did before and this is good. Whereas I think if you're not totally like keyed into you know, the rhythms of these games, it's just going to be like, oh, it's an open world game that is it's just really hard because there are, there are the ways that this game Im- like improves on this Dark Souls almost incorporate a lot of what has become like the, the standard open world design, but done really well. Yeah. I don't know about that idea, Kyle, that like, it's not going to bring in new people. And, and I am certainly so much more tempted by this game than any other from software game you know like i've dabbled in so many i played the most bloodborne but i've always kind of bounced off never really gotten into the groove that's on me for being a fake ass gamer boy i get it but then the idea of this game being an open world where it seems like exploration is sweet and really pays off in a breath of the wild style way this is again just reading some reviews and and basic impressions here combined with that idea of like okay if you hit a roadblock of difficulty you're no longer in a corridor of beating your head against a wall you just run and find somebody else to beat up on and find somebody that's easier level up come back plus combined with that idea that if you die to a boss you don't have to do the boss run again you can just start right at the boss like those ingredients oh really i'm still doing a lot of boss running oh there's Uh, there's there's less of it there's, there's there's a lot less of it. it. There's way more checkpoints, but that is still like core. I'm oh, still interesting. Okay. I also I think I I want to kind of put uh put a distinction. I think this will bring in a lot of people just because of how big this game is. Like I think there will be people who have not played a Dark Souls or whatever before that come in play this game really like it. Yeah. I do think, and this is kind of your situation. Like. I think if you tried to play Dark Souls 3 and just hated it and couldn't make it like three hours in, you're going to run into the same stuff. Mm. And like, I think I think something that's going people are going to really struggle with early on and is kind of like this strange. I, I, I don't know. I like it, but I also don't know if it's good or not. It's like the thing that you're running into a lot in this game is like, this is really hard. Is it really hard because it is one of these games or is it really hard because I'm under leveled and you kind of I, I've definitely been to some places where I've been over leveled and it's been noticeable. But like especially in that first area and basically up to the network test guy. Yeah, like there are like four bosses you can fight and they are all going to feel extremely hard. Like yeah. there's there's not going to be one that you're going to run into and be like, this is the guy I'm supposed to be fighting because really? like, they all kick your ass. Um, <laughs> I'm imagining. And I feel like we've been re- being really negative. So. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, so I, I think I think that, you know, this is us kind of like setting up like the the social dynamics of you totally. know, from games releasing and kind of putting the the score into context. But I think that is that is a long way of saying that, like. You know, putting aside the fact that, you know, whether or not new people are going to come in, I think this is this is a really smart uh, um, kind of building on what they have done with other Dark Souls games. And I think specifically, I, I remember when Sekiro came out that a lot of people were like, this is the hardest one. And I remember like kind of pushing back against that. And I think that like 
in an individual encounter sense, I don't think that was true. But I think what made Sekiro a lot harder was that when you were at a boss fight and you were getting your ass kicked, that, that was it. Like, you couldn't really, like, oh, I'm going to go do a different build or, like, figure out this other way. Like, it turns out, you know, this guy's immune to or uh, really weak against, like, hammers versus uh uh, swords like you just had the sword and that's kind of what i what i really liked about it was that like you were locked in like you knew that you could do it you just had to do it whereas in this that sense of like okay maybe i could i go somewhere else you know find some more upgrade materials or maybe find a different weapon um and then do and like uh, and then come back to this guy later i think that that is maybe what makes the game a little bit more accessible which is you know a lot more Dark Souls esque, like that's kind of the RPG stuff of like. There's a little bit more flexibility uh, in how you tackle stuff, and then, I think that there's also the bonus of I think all three of us played before launch, and I think that actually kind of enhanced the the game a little bit because before you know you like you play Dark Souls now and it's like okay what are but if you haven't played Dark Souls by now, you're probably going to be like, well, what do I need to, like, what are some tips, right? And everyone's like, go find the Drake Sword. Or, like, if you're playing Demon Source, go find the Enchanted Falcon. These are the best weapons in the game. This is, like, the proper strategy to kind of tear, to kind of break through that wall of difficulty and get to the part where, where you know what you're doing and you're just kind of doing it. Whereas here, it's like, I don't know if I should continue upgrading my starting weapon. I don't know if it's terrible or if I should wait for another weapon or, you know, like, how am I using my crafting materials? What are my crafting materials? Like, what do we even do with half of this stuff? And that stuff has, like, lent the game an extra layer of, like, I don't know how this works. And I'm kind of discovering it all on my own, which is enhanced by, like, the fact that this game just has a bunch of stuff everywhere that you're kind of looking off in the distance and thinking, like, there's an island there that I have just not been to in 15 hours that is, like, right next to one of the earliest areas in the game. I don't know if I can get there yet, but it's, like, here's just this, like, floating aisle, like, off the side of the, like, on the west coast that i don't know how to get to and i i hope i get there someday and then like well i guess maybe that'll be a cool location that i won't see and then you'll like turn the right corner and it's like oh this is just like that one scene from the green knight where it's like a bunch of things are happening and it's like super mystical and really like out of nowhere really cool um and then you'll wander in an, into another area and it's like this is aesthetically this is completely different from the rest of the game and it feels like it, you've entered into another like like world entirely and it's really really cool how much is locked off what there's like six regions in the game i think is how they're describing it and i think Miyazaki said you could go anywhere does it feel like that am i gonna run into weird gates or is it full-on go nuts yeah, I mean, go running the, thing, the things you'll run into is like stuff that will kill you in one hit and then you're kind of like ah, i shouldn't be here but like right you can really go and the the feeling that i have while playing this is like there are there are a number I, I think and this this tells you how kind of mysterious the game is, is I've played 20 hours. I think the idea is that there are like generally five big bosses that you have to kill or whatever. And early on, you do one. And then I have not even seen another one of those bosses in 20 hours. But I think what I've done is kind of pushed the map in all the directions at the same time because I'll go like somewhere until it gets too hard and then I'll start going in like another direction until it gets too hard and so I'm kind of like Fun. expanding it in this circle which feels really cool and I think ultimately I'm going to get to this point where it's like okay now I'm strong enough to use like the Zelda analogy like I'm gonna start knocking out these divine beasts and it's like you kind of you level up a bunch and then you can be like, now I'm going to actually start playing the game. But I've spent the last 12, 13 hours kind of in this 
strange middle area where like I've been doing stuff and I've been going through dungeons and I have been killing bosses, but like none of it is actually, I think the core, like all of it feels optional. I think the speed right. run will not do any of the stuff that I've done. And that is also very tempo, breath of the yeah. wildy in just kind of like, I'm just going to see what's over here because over there, there were a bunch of skeletons and they kicked my butt. And so I'm I'm going to give that place a break for a while. That sounds yeah. really I mean, exciting. Like, I love yeah, that I mean, idea. To, to lavish, to give it like some praise, because we did weirdly start out like negative, like that from software formula of like really sort of hugging the walls to like find weird items, like really adapts well to open world because every item that you pick up is like genuinely valuable or interesting and like and to just like see a like a castle off in the distance and go over there and even if you just kind of sprint through and you're just feel under leveled so you don't really want to fight stuff and you just run around and like grab as many items as you can like you're walking away with really valuable stuff and a lot of it is like stuff that you have to like you i you know i get so annoyed with games where it like puts the notification that you got a new item and right. you know you always just sort of scrub through them and get rid of them all. This is actually like the one game that I wish that I had that notification system because is, like everything I pick up that's new, I'm like, what is that? And then I'll like I have to go find a safe zone and like root through the menus and try to remember what it looked like and it's read my about biggest it. Biggest complaint with the game is there needs to be a quick access that's just what the hell did I just pick up? Is this a <laughs> yeah. key? Is it a consumable? Yeah. Is it like a shield? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's like one of those things where I will like you know I love Breath of the Wild dearly, but one thing I will like give this the total edge on is like the things that you are picking up are much more interesting yeah. and I, much I, more desirable. On, on that note, it does feel like this, they maybe are iterating on how Sekiro is a little bit more tutorial-y uh, in that it kind of explains a li- more of its systems of like, hey, you can go in and enhance your weapons and like you can give them affinities and stuff. And like, you know, here's how magic works. You can upgrade them. at You know, you, if you go to a, 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 a what are they called? The, the runes. I just call or the oh, the, like the, the, the site of grace the the, the oh, site yeah. of grace which I just call touching grace which is yeah like, touch grass that's yeah. right um, so like you can go there and you you, know, you assign magics and like there's um, kind of an expanded uh, quick uh, like d-pad menu where if you hold y and press anything on the d-pad you have more items that you can access um and like it, it's telling you more about what how the game works but there are still like okay you got this uh rune arc i think it's called a great rune arc or whatever that enhances the great rune i don't know i don't have a great rune i don't know what it is i don't know how to enhance it and it says like even if you don't have one it'll increase your overall health and like should i do that i don't know like there's yeah. there's so much of this game that doesn't explain itself but it, they do do a better job of like hey you can go anywhere and like you know like here's how you know you can two-hand weapons which is may- maybe my like one big con- uh, complaint about the controls in this game is that i use i swap a lot uh in terms of like one-handing or two-handing weapons and you have to hold down the y and then press both bumper uh both bumpers on a controller to you, swap you only have to hit one bumper do you really? It's, it's just it's just it's one? just Y and RB. I th- yeah, oh, I think it's pretty. Easy. This think, is, these okay. games are too opaque, man. You don't know this stuff. <laughs> I it's think all I meant mysterious. a tutorial because I think it said like R RB like uh, like the both bumpers and Y. So maybe there was a slash in there that if I you right. okay. Here is this is the real nitty gritty. If you hold Y and LB, you are going to two hand your left handed okay. weapon. If you do Y and RB, it's your right handed. Okay. Uh, so, I, so it is. I mean, it's kind of a complex input, yeah. but like I'm used to it. At this hey, point. I so, hate to I hate to derail this. 
but I need to get this out there. Has the Arby's Twitter account ever played into the RB button? <laughs> like we need more RBs out there. Every like every day. Do you I'm think? glad you asked us. We are the. We would know this. Okay, I'll, I'll keep searching. I'm sorry. Welcome to Mint Snacks. No. Um, I'm sorry, Cyril. Go ahead, sir. But like the the th- the control thing that I really like, actually, just to uh, act as my own counterpoint, is that the horse combat in this game I think is really really well done. Uh, it's a very arcadey. It's not like it's not Red Dead where it's like you feel the weight of the horse or anything. You're like your horse can just straight up double jump, uh, and like you have you can find these like springs that like will ba- like there are just gusts of air that will make your horse rocket into the sky. Uh, it's really cool. But like I've had like the two boss fights that I fought on horseback have been like my two favorites so far. Really. Uh, and one of them is like right at the outset, which is like a, a very uh, open world Breath of the Wild kind of thing where you get outside and one of the first things you see is this knight, is this giant knight in gold armor just like kind of trudging around. And I think it like the game basically t- all but tells you through this guy's design, like, yeah, this guy will kick your ass, like come back later. And I said, no, I will beat a- my head against this wall first thing. And I and I fought him on horse. And it was like one of those things where it's like my brother just happened to be watching it and he's like, both of us are like, uh, he's, he's kind of just like doing stuff, like taking care of his thing. And he's kind of looking at me and he's like, okay, um, I, I shouldn't, I was going to say something, but I, you're obviously very busy right now. I shouldn't talk to you where I was just like doing drive-bys with my sword. Like, okay, I'm going to hit him twice <laughs> and then turn around. He's going to, he's, he's going to alert himself. And then we're going to like, I'm going to jump over his attack and then I'm going to do another two hits and then I'm going to drive by him again. And it like, I did that against him and then another dragon. And it's like both of those fights like were really really well done and that's the thing that they haven't done before is kind of doing um fights that take advantage of like how expansive this world is and i i really hope that there are more of those because a lot of those a lot of the other boss fights have been like okay you walk through a fog gig and here's the here's the big dude with like the the wide swinging attacks that you're on a bridge or whatever but like those open world boss fights i think have been like like one of those things that feel like okay this is the next level thing that that uh, you know people should be excited about it's new you haven't done that in the rom game and it is i mean it the the kind of beautiful thing about the difficulty in these games is like when you figure out a way to cheese it you don't feel bad you're like this game is so hard that i am going to get it back exactly the same strategy no one else does that (laughs) Um, and so you will get these these bosses on that you can fight on horseback which like yeah there are a lot of them that you can't but there are a lot that you can and like you are just always faster than them and your your horseback swings are not that strong but it's like if you want you can just ride in circles and like smack a guy once and then ride away and come back and it like it feels like you are cheating but kind of in the way that like being on a horse would feel like cheating in real (laughs) medieval times or just everyday life i don't know it's like it's it's so fun to just be able to like feel like you have one up on the game even though they're totally like letting you have that one right. up, like with the alternative being that like the the second that guy touched me, I it like it would kick me, it would like uh, eviscerate my horse and send me flying. <laughs> so I, I basically had to do that to avoid getting one shot. And then I got a weapon that I can't use because I'm not strong enough. Uh, so that <laughs> oh, didn't really it didn't really help me at all. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll encounter points where it's like you'll beat you'll you'll go up against boss, can't do it, and then. Uh, because there was one boss where I was just like doing very, very like slivers of health. And so I was like, I don't know if this is just like the new difficulty in this game or if, you know, I have to go to another place and I haven't found any upgrade materials. And then turns out there's a place where that has a ton of upgrade materials basically right next to it. Um, so you, you are really encouraged to go out and explore. But like, 
there is that that early castle. I don't I forget what that Stormvale Castle is one of the most like intricate areas they've made in terms of how it's many so paths there are. Freaking big. It's yeah. so there's yeah, so it's like this is basically where the network test ended or whatever. But like right. the first big castle you get to that is kind of you don't have to do this, but basically it's like this is the place you should go before you start doing the open world is like the game really directs you there. It's like it is the size of Boletaria one one to one four in Demon Souls. Like it's just it's a castle that feels as huge as it looks, which oftentimes these games you see like a castle off in the distance and it's enormous and you get there and it's like five rooms. And yeah. this is like it's a city inside that's just it, like, it, it might be like the size of like the symphony of the night map is is how like <laughs> big it is in terms of like this whole castle is like just one section of this map and then there's and i've been to like three or four other sections that feel like they could be their own uh, maps in other games and like i have side quests crazy. now i have so many different threads of like oh i need to you know this 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 other character is sick. You need to go get this item for them. And I'm pretty sure I know where it is, but uh, like I, I, I can pursue that lead a little bit in like this kind of this town or I can keep going up further up, upstream of this lake or I can um, I have one of the great runes now that I got a couple hours um, ago and you can you, you can start exploring that lead. And now I'm fighting a boss where um, that has like that is one of the tougher ones that I fought. So maybe I can just, you know, maybe imbue my weapon the fire so it's like there, there's all these different ways that like the moment you get bored of being stuck like you can just go find another lead and there are games there are times where the game will just surprise you with like here's this kind of underground section that you thought was going to be like a one-off kind of like oh here's a chamber with some guys in it and a chest and that ends up being an entirely like new through line that you can pursue so just a stupid amount of content that's uh, that's one of the big takeaways here is more than anybody expected i mean it's i i don't think i've ever seen a game uh, that has had more reviewers not finish it on on mm. release, which is uh, partially because they gave it to all of us uh, five days ago, and that's unreasonable, and they shouldn't do that. But like, right. it is, you know, it's it's fifty plus hours. I'm seeing people play, and and they say they haven't finished. Um, I don't know. I would feel weird giving a 10 to a game that I haven't finished. That's not to say anything about anyone who reviewed it, but just like it's a weird system that like we have to give a number score on the day that it comes out. And uh, even if you played it 24 hours a day, like you wouldn't have enough time. Yeah, I was kind of confused by that and not throwing shade. But it was just kind of like, a, what's going on here? Like there's a review in progress for GameSpot, but they still have locked it in at a 10. I was confused yeah, about what tomorrow's doing over I was there. I confused by that, too. Okay, it just I, seems yeah. like it's just so good it's not going to move from a 10, but technically I haven't finished it yet. Is that the idea? I, I think, I mean, I think it is like a provisional score in that it could go lower, but okay. right now this is where, mm. this is how we're feeling. I don't think they've, I don't know how often they end up actually changing the score, but I think that's the intention of like, I think there's like a blue circle around the, the score instead of an orange one. Um, but yeah, like the, it seems particularly weird for them to know like to for them they had to know how big this game was and for them to just like i think one of the other provisions was that like they, they could only cover a certain number of areas right so like they couldn't talk about the game holistically which right. i guess you know is not uncommon but like with the size of the game and how and like the embargo being kind of restrictive it kind of limits the experience right like you can't talk to these areas you can't you can't talk mention these areas right in your review if you if this is a game where you're supposed to be able to go wherever you want 
you're going to be discouraged from exploring areas that you can't talk about. So it's it's kind of guiding the experience in a weird way that that was kind of like I wouldn't even know how to get to one of these areas versus that, that, not that's just going right. in random like, directions. If if you're you know like there's been a little bit of like pushback about against like not only how much time crunch there is, but like it should also be to some degree on outlets to like you know if you can afford it um because obviously you know reviews um like pieces on this game right now are probably like big traffic drivers yeah like you want to be able to have something written but like also not overwork your writers i know that like uh the uh mitchell Sulzman who uh who reviewed it for ign mentioned that he worked basically non-stop to get the review up by embargo and, and he is he had finished it by the time the game was like by the time the embargo yeah and that was like that is that is a lot of time to put into a game um Yes, for sure. Everyone's rushing through it. Um, Kyle, I feel like you haven't weighed in too much on just the breath of the wildness of this thing. It's one of the big takeaways, it seems like, for everybody. Scale of 1 to 10, how Breath of the Wild is this game, and is that a big big part of the thrill for you? Um, Gosh, it's a weird... The thing that Breath of the Wild will forever have broken me about is, like, is climbing. Like, yeah, I... It, the thing about Breath of the Wild is like if you, you could see a mountain peak and you could get to the top of it, like you could figure that out. It was like its own puzzle. And this doesn't I mean, this doesn't this doesn't have that. I mean, there's still tons of rewarding exploration, but you're not climbing. Yeah. And so that does, you know, limit it in some ways. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it needs climbing necessarily. But I mean, the breath of the wildness of it is just that it's an open world. Rather but, than like directly well, it, Breath of yeah. the Wild inspired, it's, I, I it's like no, it's it's I, I, it's huge and unknowable. I feel like is yeah. kind of the breath it is like like I I truly and honestly something that does better than Breath of the Wild I think is like there have been a couple circumstances where I like interact with a thing that I don't know what's gonna happen and it like. Like, I have shouted, whoa, like, at my computer while playing just because of, like, how unexpected the thing was, which was kind of a thing that never happened in Breath of the Wild. But it, like, yeah, it, it feels the the world doesn't feel limited by kind of, like, the things you expect uh, to happen, which I, I, yeah. huh. I think the, the, the exploration think is, the, is the exploration in this game feels self-guided in a way that a lot of open world games are not. Where you like as you're exploring the world, you're like, okay, what's gonna, what's this area? What am I like? You you venture into a new area, and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here besides like just move forward and make progress. Right. Whereas, you know, uh, I haven't played um, Forbidden West, but my experience with something like Horizon Zero Dawn, which I imagine is is somewhat similar in structure, is that like you go to a new area because someone tells you to go there. Of like, oh, I need you to go pick up this thing, and that's your introduction to a new area. Is totally. like I'm here for a, a set purpose. I'm gonna grab these things, come back, or like rescue this person. And so it's all very like, go here, do this, go here, do this, and you go to these hubs and like accomplish missions. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are no waypoints in this game. Like you, you can never make, um, have anything. Yeah. yeah, you can you can put a point on a map, but like no one will ever put anything on yeah. your map. Well, and, when and, you and touch, there, there when are you quests. Grace, Grace yeah. will give you some direction. Like, they will tell right. you wh- where the next one is. Basically, yeah. like go here. Like they have a basically the equivalent of like a big arrow telling you like main progress quest is this way. You know, right? And yeah. I have got you know like I mentioned earlier, I have been told by an NPC that like okay, I need this per I need this thing, right? But it it's not as explicitly 
a thing where it's like the only reason to go into this area is to complete this one quest. Like that's not the case. The, like the the NPC kind of quests act as a layer on top of already exploring the world because you don't know where that. Like I need this item. You don't know where that item is. The game does not tell you where it is. So you're not going. You're not beelining it to every part of the map to accomplish a task that someone else is giving you. You're kind of just taking the world on its own measure and just kind of like you know carving out your path through there. And if you happen to find the item along the way. Great, but you, like the game does not necessarily put any pressure on you to actually, you know, uh, traverse the world through missions, which is I think the yeah. thing that this game does pull off really well is that like you're just you're exploring the world. If things if something cool happens, that's great. But you know, like there's no like you know complete this many tasks and then you can go do the final thing. Right? That's what I yeah. want. That I mean, it definitely so is like it's definitely on the Breath of the Wild side of things more the, more so than like the GTA side of things for sure right right. and right. one thing that really does the it's funny the the most direct breath of the wild line i draw is like you find these like uh usually they're on the side of uh mountains and you'll find like a door and you go in there and it's it's kind of like the equivalent of a dark souls i forget what they were called in breath of the wild but like the mini dungeons yeah just you, a little this shrines. kind shrines. of has that yeah, yeah, like it's shrines. It basically has like the Dark Souls equivalent of shrines. Huh. And the reward of like going in there other than whatever cool item you find in there is like you usually open a fast travel spot, which feels very Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It, it was and, kind and of fast weird. travel's yeah. really convenient. Like you just if you're not in danger, you can open your map and travel anywhere you want at any time. And I really like that. And that that feels more Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it, it uh, was kind sure. of weird to, to beat a boss and like not have a way for like usually like you only kill a boss and say like you have to go back to the beginning and like in at very key story moments in a dark souls game but the, yeah there was like one thing where you just get in and it gives you a cool item and then it's like okay now you now you can leave and and, and go go do something else i will say though the item that i got in that dungeon was a little like shrunken head that says hello which is very good and uh, like one of the best items in the game so as far as i know um, um yeah i mean like paradoxically because it's this giant open world game like one of the things that from is best at and this uh, uh dia blasina wrote a, a review of this for paste that's just like from is so good at making dungeons like they're so good at just making little murder hallways and like what you have in this kind of like in breath of the wild is instead of having like the five big dungeons that you might have in another Dark Souls game, you have a hundred tiny ones. And it's so cool for them to do kind of their version of what a Shrine of Worship might be, which is like, this is one concept. We're going to kind of do it in four different ways because there are four rooms in this dungeon and then you'll fight a boss and that boss will kind of be related to it and it's like it's it's little but they're so they're so good at just making these like underground spaces interesting yeah. they, they've yeah. also i, I like think one of the more kind of like nuanced ways that i think they've evolved their design is that they're they they still have those bosses that it's like hey it's like i'm gonna do my big swing you better watch out better i'm i'm gonna do it you better roll <laughs> and then they'll dig the swing and then you you roll out of the way but there are also like the the two hardest bosses for me so far have been like um the the two kind of main ones because they use these very like almost Sekiro inspired like staccato attack patterns where they'll be like like quick quick and then slow uh, quick uh, it's actually a quick and then there are times where it's like, <laughs> like it, they say it's psych like, a lot yeah, yeah basically not cool, they'll, dude, they'll not cool. psych, and then they'll take like their big swing and then like all right uh, i'm like i'm really tired i just took that big swing it's like turns out i have another arm and i'm like i'm gonna swing again like so like they are they are they've obviously like watched people play dark souls and th and have 
have been very like specific about like let's try to like surprise people about the ways that you know like oh just roll forward and then you'll like this attack is like i'm gonna say three rolls long and then you'll like <laughs> take three rolls and then now it's time to open them up but it turns out that if you're close enough to him or like a certain distance away from him he'll launch another they'll launch another attack to surprise you and that those have been like actually kind of tough to deal with because it's like there are there was one boss where i just beat them um and I just thought, like, I don't know that I really got that boss. Like, I feel like I, I huh. got by with the skate of my teeth, but not because, like, oh, I know every, I know this dude's every pattern. I just happened to get lucky a couple times. Um, so, like, I, it does feel like they are iterating on even that part of it. So it just feels like they just looked at every part of the Dark Souls uh, formula and just said, like, what's a really cool, surprising thing we can do with it? And they basically, uh, like, in almost every uh, case, they've pulled it off. Um uh, like the only thing that I don't like about the game is is crafting stuff, but I'm just not a crafting guy in general. I don't like necessarily like, oh, you found like 30 resources and now this is how you make the a thing that's actually useful out of them. And like, oh, you have to manage your resources to make, you know, you can only make 10 fire bombs if you make, you know, five arrows or whatever, which I, I'm I'm not I'm never super big on. Yeah. But that stuff, it, 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 you know, even at the worst, it feels unobtrusive in that I can just kind of ignore it fennel if I don't feel like crafting stuff. Yeah, um, there is that one not spoiling anything no spoilers there's an early boss that feels like it's from metal gear rising like it truly just kind of like the the like the kind of absurdity of where the fight goes to me felt like it should have some kind of like metal gear rising metal screaming over it it is is really kind of goofy in an amazing way i love it also we should say Probably none of us have really been playing with summoning, uh, which is one of the biggest ways that you oh, can I've been, I've uh, use it constantly. Well, no, <laughs> but are you summoning? You're summoning the NPCs, right? Like your little. No, the ashes, right? Yes, I'm saying you're not summoning other players to your world oh, because it's pre-release, right. and it's yes. like yes. that has Sorry. always been one of the biggest ways that you can uh, kind of reduce the difficulty in a souls game is you can get other players to help you uh and that hasn't been happening because obviously like people don't have the game no. yet but right. uh, that is certainly a way that that you can make the game easier on yourself uh but also you'll be invaded by random people so you know it'll it'll level out good times uh george r, r. martin our dear boy i know it's tough in a cryptic fantasy world to be like that's Georgie's touch. This is this is screaming RR. But I mean, Kyle, you seem to be a little bit lore skeptical. Does anybody else feel like there's an impact, a change in from storytelling for this one? I mean, I I don't see it at all. And yeah. in fact, no, that was like literally one of the nothing. I was, I was excited for because like I enjoy Dark Souls. The world seems interesting. I've never really been able to engage with it on a lore or story level. Sekiro is the closest I've gotten because that had like a character I could point to that I was like, okay. I, I know who that guy is and I know his motivation and goal and there were cutscenes. That's not really here. There's, there's nothing yeah. like that. I have, I could not tell you what the story of Elden Ring is. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I was hopeful that our, our Martin would like lend more context somehow. I, I didn't know what that meant or what that, how that could have been, but maybe there would have been like more cutscenes or maybe it would have been a little Ooh. clearer what was happening, but People's like, skins I, I, are crawling. No I don't know what's going on. I mean, on it, it feels, I, I, I don't want to be mean about this because it's like I like the Dark Souls games. It feels identical to Dark Souls storytelling. Like, right. like I could not point to anything and be like, 
that's the touch of someone who's not from this franchise. Everything is, is you know, it's like your character in Dark Souls games, you're always just like hollowed or whatever. And in this you're tarnished and it's talked about in exactly the same way. Right. The characters yeah. speak in the same way. The item descriptions read the same. It's great. I like that kind of thing. George R. R. Martin like came in and was like, what if there was a bunch of a dude with a bunch of arms? Like, I feel right. like that was the level of contribution. Yeah, there's I mean, even the setup is like there's it has probably the longest intro cutscene of one of these games where it's like, OK, and we we're going to very meticulously explain. But then you really like halfway through. It's like this is just like the same thing as Dark Souls, where it's like yeah, there are four big guys you got to kill. Like yeah, once you do that, you can do the last thing. Well, uh, I think it's I think it's just tough to like get that much identity, because like from what I understand, it was a matter of Miyazaki and the From team talking to George R. R. Martin, which, by the way, in the Games Radar interview, uh, Miyazaki mentions, they're like, I was nervous going into the meeting, and it turns out George R. R. Martin knew the Dark Souls games and, quote, knew what the Dark Souls games were about. <laughs> like, that's that's a deep <laughs> cut there, George R. That's impressive. <laughs> but anyways, he actually it, ended up helping us on the iframes. <laughs> like, that, that was actually his biggest contribution. But no, like, it started out with them having that meeting, and then they got the ball rolling and said, hey, George R. R. Martin, here are, like, the big themes we like working with and where we're thinking of going with this new fantasy entry. And then he said, okay, I'm going to start building up the world and he kind of established the idea of like okay it's all about these different kings and then it seemed like he walked for 20 yards in that football field lore wise and then from's like okay we'll take it from there what if they were really messed up kings and then just they ran with it so like it's so tough to find <laughs> any of that big? yeah like where just, is that identity yeah, gonna come flat, from um, back where they just wrote out like undead or hollowed and just wrote tarnished and everyone like applauded it's like this guy's a genius he and to, and like to come back around a little bit, like it's a testament to the game that I'm like totally engrossed. Yeah. And even not having a clue what's going on because it's so visual and everything is so interesting looking like it's one of the it's like you play and you it's like it's hard not to think about just like asset creation from like a development perspective of like they made so much stuff and it's all <laughs> weird and interesting. Like yeah. it's yeah, it's OK that I don't really know what's going on because there's this crazy looking thing over there that I'm going to go swing my sword at and just get demolished by when I go yeah. try to get a closer look. And, and, yeah. And that compulsion comes from like uh, both. I like I, I, I got my ass kicked by this boss, but like I want to come back to it. And I also want to go look at this like cool world that they built and like figure out a totally. way to upgrade my sword. So it's like you have all these like intrinsic motivations to keep continue exploring versus like i could i, I kind of want to get more xp which is like what every other open world game does which is like just complete all the missions like you know turn the whole map from like blue to red or whatever other color by like conquer like you know taking over every area in the map right i i also think uh you know it's again we're in an interesting uh place talking about it pre-release because like as as a souls fan i kind of experienced the game multiple times one of which is when i play it and one of which is when i like watch lore videos yeah. on youtube and like i don't mean that in a bad way like i i really enjoy watching those and i kind of i often feel like i my first run through a souls game is never my favorite you know like i do it and i kind of like learn stuff and then the second one when i know more what i'm doing and have like targets to aim for and maybe some context for the lore i enjoy it even more and so like i there there's kind of a a a thing that people have haven't said as much recently but early on with souls games people would really be like you gotta go in blind that's the best way you'll never forget and it's like i think that's the worst advice you could give and i think especially for this 
you will be able to when when there are guides that are just like hey, I need a couple more shards to upgrade my sword. Where's a good place to get those? And you can just look that up. I think that's going to kind of sand a lot of the the sharpest corners off in a way that I think will make it more accessible for people. And and so if you're if you're playing this and you've never played a from game before and you like you want to get in, but it's hard, like I think walkthroughs are going to be great for this game. And I think I think you should totally look up how to do stuff. And I'm going to look up stuff, how to do stuff like after I beat it, because I know that I'm only scratching the surface. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the biggest like thing that I would tell people who are who are like, oh, man, is this going to be the one the from game for me? Is that like the the reward, I think, for kind of making that dive, both like whether you want to go in blind or like, hey, go look stuff up. I think it'll be really easy to actually get to a point where the game becomes a lot easier if you just kind of look up guides and stuff of like go here find this weapon and and that game that makes the game half as easy and then imbue it with like fire or whatever and then you're good to go for basically half the game um that i like the the fact that like the reward for that for like kind of making that dive is like this really really good looking open world not like not like you know first party sony kind of level of production but like this is the best uh a from game has ever looked and and the art direction i think is really really strong so you get the ability to explore wherever you want you have this open-ended game that you can kind of take anywhere versus like dark souls was like open world in that you could go multiple places but it was like a, a a winding series of hallways versus like here's like an expansive area that you can kind of like it, it was like spider it was kind of like spider tendrils or whatever versus like a big square area right where it's like yeah. here's a winding path that you took left versus right and this is more like you can go in any direction at any point in time yeah i was a uh, surprised reading about this game's development i wish there's a lot more interviews focused just on the game's development and whatnot instead of just trying to ring another little detail about the game before it comes out which we're all going to know eventually but we won't always know these development details so if you have an interview with Miyazaki ask stuff that's going to be evergreen I beg of you the point is um, apparently this game started its development at the same time as Sekiro and it was like running parallel to Sekiro which is oh, crazy wow. to me just speaking to the scale of this game and the amount of assets and all that stuff Kyle like it's weird to think that yeah I mean they usually have because uh, Sekiro came out after dark souls 3 yeah Yeah, it's like they 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 develop in parallel all the time like you know dark souls 2 and bloodborne were in development at the same time and and i would assume they were thinking about sekiro with dark souls 3 so it's like yeah it's it's a huge game and they have spent there is a longer break between sekiro and this than any of their other kind of recent games because usually it's been almost yearly um, but yeah, like, I mean, they, was, they do was, stuff at the same time. It was it was 2016 for Dark Souls 3 and 2019 for Sekiro. So I right. think it's almost almost the same amount of time between Sekiro and Dark Souls 3 as as there is mm. between Sekiro and Elden Ring. Yeah, I think it's maybe a little bit less, but uh, they definitely like the whole like this game is like no one knows it's Duke Nukem Forever all over again. Like in terms of how like how long the hype cycle was, I think it's just the reveal was really far away compared to other games. Whereas, yeah, it's uh, like it's like think about how long Horizon One to two took that was like yeah. twice as long we i feel like the closest thing to duke nukem forever is honestly breath of the wild too because that game like that in five years and <laughs> don't we still you don't ever know. say that so, again cereal are you nuts no no you can jump through the ceiling we know that that's that's huge well, in, that terms, in, in terms of like going for years like games that we just uh, that have taken forever and we just do not know anything about yeah. i feel like breath of the wild is like now that cyberpunk is finally out i feel like breath of the wild uh, the sequel to the breath of the wild look is man maybe i was looking part. forward to the last guardian for eight years <laughs> <laughs> you don't know Pete. although we don't know the sequel to the name for the breath of the wild sequel so maybe it's just the legend of zelda link forever 
I mean, at this point, we don't know. Maybe they're going to tie it back thematically. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, Backstage Pass is losing its mind. They say that's a really good point, Ben. That was a really good contribution. Thank you. Thank you. They're all screaming. That's interesting. <laughs> Thank you for saying uh, that. <laughs> Thank you for speaking your truth. Ben, are you are you excited to play Elden Ring? Like, are you eagerly going to... I know you. You'll check it out. But, like, are you excited to check it out? I am... I Again, I, I'm very interested in that Breath of the Wild vein. And thank you for prepping me that I'm going to run into a brick wall a couple times. Um, but I am, I'm excited about it. I'm either going to be streaming it on Thursday on MinMax's Twitch account, which you can follow us, MinMax Show, or Sarah Pazorski is uh, one of mm. us. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to dive into it and make content about me diving into it in some form. <laughs> this is where um, I'm at. I, my my biggest we, advice yeah. is to roll every direction if you're getting hit by an attack, including forward. Rolling forward is very valuable still. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Can we share some like quick tips that is spo- spoiler free quick tips? <laughs> okay. Um, because All right. it's like I haven't talked to anyone about this game. And yes. I'm please. Losing my mind. Please. Um, on the map, you can put little as well as like kind of pillars of light in in the way that every open world game does. You can put little badges on on the map, and you can put up to a hundred of them on it. And this game will not mark where a merchant is or or anything like that. And so like. If you find something interesting, particularly like a boss that you're not strong enough for yet, it took me way too long to realize, like, go into the map and put a little put a little icon and you can, like, decide if the icon is like a coin or a a skull or something. And so you can, like, leave these breadcrumbs for yourself, uh, which is really cool. Um, and and use the guard counter, which they teach you how to do in the tutorial, but I forgot about for a while, and then I remembered how to do it, and it's it's like you just block something and then use the heavy attack, but it's like the best feeling attack, and it, it staggers a lot of bosses. Uh, and also, okay, here's another one, sorry. Yeah. Um, if you are finding upgrade materials that are way higher than the thing that you can currently upgrade your weapon to like there are different rocks that will take it from like plus one to plus five and then plus five to plus ten and it's like if your weapon is plus three and you're finding the rocks to put it to like plus 15 you're in an area that's probably too strong for you (laughs) like that's that's been my new metric for like oh i shouldn't be here because my weapon is never (laughs) not anywhere near this I thought you were going to say, here's a way to break them down and turn them into smaller materials, which would have been like, that's incredible. I have so oh, many of them. I, yeah. I, I have smithing stone sixes out the ass, but I have, <laughs> I have not found a three and I need three to keep going. I know. Uh, so, yeah, I've, which is, speaks to my yeah. journey. Is that like, I, I will never say like, I'm too weak for this. I will usually say like, I will prove you wrong game. I will spend two hours getting my ass kicked here until I get it. That I should. Yeah, I, I have run into a thing where like, I, you know, I upgraded my sword once. And then it took me forever to upgrade it a second time. But then right there in that menu, I was able to upgrade it like three or four more times. <laughs> like it took me so long to get the two, but then three, four, five was like right then in there. Uh, okay, Kyle, I know you said on Twitter that you think Sekiro is still your favorite from software game. I think so. Yeah, like I, I it's definitely like one you'd have to ask me again in a couple months. I will. If and when I finish Elden Ring, please do. I, I still just love... Sekiro's uh, a single protagonist. Yep, I like yep, that it's yep. like a character. I like the combat more. I like Sekiro's combat more. Ooh, interesting. Um, but um, yeah, the, the the open world's incredible. Like but, that's yeah, that's kind of what it's going to come down to. Is like, do I like the story and combat of Sekiro more, or do I like the open world of Elden Ring more? Right. Uh, Jacob Material, where are you guys at? Is this uh, your favorite? Is it is it a slam dunk in your mind? Uh, I think. 
I think the only one that can compete with it is Sekiro uh, in terms of really two Sekiro lovers. Because this feels like the widest game. Like the the co- combat is kind of an interesting thing in these games because like I think the the things that you have at, at your disposal in Sekiro at any one time I think are is the best tool set in that series. But in Elden Ring, you can have a much wider set of tools. Like I chose the samurai class, which gives, me, yeah. which gives me a katana and a bow. And like I'm using the hell out of that katana because it has a bleed thing where if you you know hit them enough times in a row, they basically take a bunch of damage and, and stagger immediately. And that's really useful. But it's like it doesn't feel as diverse as like being able to like step Mikiri counter people or like jump to avoid attacks, which the jump in this game has been pretty useless in combat so far. Um, but like you but if you if you if i get my ass kicked it's like well maybe i should go find a spell or like go craft an item that is like a firebomb that i can just kind of throw at this guy and that it feels more diverse but any one tool set that you have isn't it's interesting yeah but yes the open world in this game is the thing about this game that i love as much as i do is that like you can go anywhere and kind of find something cool and interesting which Sekiro also kind of had in that like it was but that was closer to like a metroidvania thing where it's like oh how do you beat the snake you have to go around this area and do a very specific thing versus like you could do any you could jump over if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Geller. Um, I what I need to see is kind of the 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 furthest this game is going to take itself because right. the the things that I really like. I mean, for me, Dark Souls one is probably at the top of the list, and then mm-hmm. maybe Sekiro and Bloodborne are together. Um, but like, what I love about the Dark Souls game specifically is like how they will be normal for a long time and then towards the end they will start throwing these environments at you that are just like mind-boggling and as a whole the environment in this game is great but i'm really waiting to see like what's what are going to be like the jaw-dropping moments in here and i'm sure they're going to be some and i just haven't run into them yet um but like it could totally be knocking around the top two like by the time i'm done like i i have no doubt that i'm already ranking this above you know dark souls three and two and probably even bloodborne um so yeah we'll see we'll see a lot more to talk about with elden ring in the future please stay tuned everybody um hey surreal yes i am curious to see your level of hype and, and where you're at here because Maybe I just missed it on Twitter or something, but there was a big Capcom countdown clock, and everybody who loves fighting games was like, "This is it, baby! This is going to be the biggie. We're we're salivating." And they finally announced Street Fighter Six. Street Fighter Six is coming, and they had a big teaser trailer. By that, I mean a very short, cryptic teaser trailer. Uh, where's your hype level at for Street Fighter Six? How are you feeling about what they showed? Uh, I, I'm excited as hell for Street Fighter Six. I am not really like the things they showed were not really doing it for me in terms of nipples like it was like you know you don't like that wide boy yeah see so the fact that the two things that came out of that reveal were like whoa ryu is really wide and this logo looks uh both a potentially stolen and b not very good uh kind of tell you how, how like not interesting that teaser was you you skipped the part hansen where they opened Photoshop, presumably, and looked at the templates available. <laughs> yeah, so the, yeah, the logo. Every, every, everyone says like the, the six looks like a notifications icon. Uh, so it's like the logo so sucks. everyone's blowing up about that logo, which is like whatever. Like I'm not. <laughs> it's just, it's I'm all not there to talk about exactly. Right? Like, that, that's, that's the problem yeah. is that they gave people nothing to talk about other than the fact that Luke is Luke and Ryu are the two characters they showed, and they already told you that uh, Luke was going to be in six because he's like very important to the future of the Street Fighter series when they revealed him in five. 
So it almost like Luke definitely feels like, okay, we were going to, we were going to reveal him in six, but uh, you know, COVID being what it was, we basically decided to put Luke in five instead. And then now he's going to be a big part. And they totally like revamped his design. Ryu is yeah. now like bearded by default. Um, so <laughs> yeah. that's, that's me. And he's, got yeah. san- and he's got sandals now. So he's actually wearing footwear now, which I don't know if that feels like the biggest change yeah. they've made aesthetically so far. Um, but in terms of I, I'm not sure what I want them to do other than like I don't want it to be like a Guilty Gear Tekken kind of thing where it's like, let's take the base system that we have and like kind of address the issues with that people had with it, which is like what te- what has brought Tekken immense success, what has made like uh, Guilty Gear is maybe a little bit more different, but um, they basically have like the systems in place from the from the original still. And they've been kind of adding and subtracting, whereas like if they have street, every Street Fighter, it's like, here's this new fundamentally different system that's going to change the way you play this game at like both very low and high levels. I That's basically what I want them to do. And so I just want them to surprise me in terms of, you know, here are the systems there are like I, I think it speaks well to Street Fighter 5 specifically that I think the characters that I want to stick around like the here's who I want in Street Fighter 6 are like Ken and like Manat uh, which is like Manat. one of the new characters in uh, 5 who's like this kind of um, a fortune teller who like threw her crystal ball around and could like deploy it and like bring it back and so she had, she's a very complex and cool character um, but uh, I think a lot of the I, I just want them to bring a lot of the characters over from 5 because I thought that huh. that Five has one of my like it's like five and two in terms of like the rosters that I like. Who's most. Uh, who's five missing? Do they have any biggies that aren't in there? Is Blanca in five? Is everybody in five? Blanca's in five. Okay, like most of the most of the like I think they very much pivoted to like from hey let's make it let's make a very interesting cast with a bunch of weirdos in it to yes. like everybody from two get in here right like, like it took people a do while. not like this game we're gonna put guile in here he's gonna look more like he more than you know he's gonna look as street fighter 2 as he's ever looked your childhood was good guile. your childhood was good is kind yeah, of yeah exa- okay. exactly and then they like and then they kind of went back to like okay now we're gonna add a bunch of new characters and everyone like oh season two the one where they added a bunch of new characters including Manat was like the worst I don't like that season at all and then they went back to like okay here's cla- here's your classic characters here's like more, more return here's Sakura which everyone loves you know like adding a bunch of like uh, original characters so at this point it's basically everyone um, but now they're gonna have that problem where it's like well right. do we add do we even add a new character at this point because everyone is so in love with the old ones but yeah um, I, I I'm excited I just like what they showed this just kind of a big fat nothing yeah i'm much more excited yeah the other thing they announced yes capcom fighting collection what's got you jazz dude uh dark stalkers hell they, yeah they putting... led with dark stalkers like hey there's this bundle coming out june 24th and it's more dark stalkers than you could possibly stock in the dark here's just every version that you want every yeah. game that you want and it's rollback netcode you can uh play online there's gonna be ranked matches it just feels like the biggest celebration of dark stalkers we're gonna get from capcom for a yeah, long time like, it, it is there are like to put it in perspective there are three mainline dark stalkers games there are five Dark Stalkers games in this, which like the last, <laughs> the, the last two are just like here's like we made us we made, uh basically we took three and we swapped out the cast of three for the cast of two and kept the gameplay the same and then then uh the the last game is like here's three but we swapped in but we kind of split the difference and added a bunch of characters from two and took out a bunch of characters from three. And th- those are the last two like that no one really bothers with, but it's like they're there because it's like we want to be comprehensive. And then they also have uh, Puzzle Fighter, 
Yes. So, you, so like, you can play... It's going to be on uh, Switch and PC and, and PS4 or Xbox. So you can play Puzzle Fighter on the go, finally. Oh, my God. And, yeah, which I'm really excited about. They have uh, Red Earth, which is, like, a, one of those more obscure, like, oh, like, you, you know, every, every once in a while, anytime a game is remastered, they're like, why don't they put out a new version of Red Earth? I've never or, like, seen that. I've never even yeah. heard of that game. And Cyberbots, the, the the fighting game where everyone's a robot and Solid. every every character has their own UI, which is really super cool. Uh, so like, they're they're basically like, okay, I I would not be surprised if this started as a Dark Soccer's collection, and they're like, ah, but people don't know Dark Soccer's as well as Street Fighter. We can't like we can't do the thing with Street Fighter where you put twelve Street Fighter games and everyone's like, well, that's a Street Fighter collection. Yeah. And, uh, so I have to buy it. Like Dark Soccer's doesn't have that name recognition, so they just said like, what if we just threw in a bunch of bonuses, including Puzzle Fighter? Hell uh, yeah. And- and the puzzle ga- and the fighting game that they made out of Puzzle Fighter that, characters. I had never known this existed. Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix. Kyle or Jacob, have you ever heard of such a thing? You've been making up uh, games for the last three sorry. minutes. Yeah, Super Gem no, Fighter I, I Mini Mix. I went to Red Earth's Wikipedia page. I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah it's, but it's kind of like an RPG fighting game. Kind got of. Leo in it. Oh, yeah. interesting. So all this podcast soon. But yeah, the Super Gem Fighter thing, I was like, it's a fighting game, but it has like the background character art from Puzzle Fighter. It looks, look, just loving Puzzle Fighter, it looks extremely up my alley to be like, they made Puzzle Fighter into a fighting game, which I understand is an yeah. idiotic take, but that's the one I yeah. had seen it. Yeah, so I, I like June 24th, it's going to have, yeah, it's going to have rollback uh, netcode. And so like, I'm excited to reunite with my girl, BB Hood. Mm. Or Puletta, as, as she's known in Japan, it's uh, going to be so fantastic. Uh, one like Dark Circus is one of my favorite casts in a fighting game. So it's all they're all just a bunch of like monsters that like they so fun made super interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I really like Darkstalkers, so I'm, I'm excited to see it come back finally. Yeah, and the fact that we're going to have like ranked matches for Puzzle Fighter, it's just it's yeah. too much. I I sincerely think I know I've said it way too many times on the podcast, but I think. Puzzle Fighter might be my favorite competitive game of all time as of now. <laughs> like, that game I mean, I, is so, so much fun. I, I, I don't even know what this game looks like, but I have heard you talk about it for seven hours at this point. Like, a, yeah. how, how good do you think you are? Like, if oh, there are ranked matches, you are? are you going to oh. be, like, you know, gold? Horrific. <laughs> Truly horrific. <laughs> we, had, uh, we have a tier on Patreon where uh, folks can choose any game to play with us. Um, for just not streaming, but just one-on-one for an hour or whatever they want, really. And uh, Patrick Polk from the community jumped in to play me in Puzzle Fighter because I talk about it so much. It was truly <laughs> embarrassing. It was like 39 to 1, I think, by the end <laughs> of our hour and a half. It was just a slaughter. If you don't know it, yeah, yeah it's a little... Think of it like a Tetris or a Columns, just competitive puzzle game here. Yeah. The, the thing about puzzle games, though, is that more than other genres... Uh, Going online and seeing like, oh, this is how you play will like expand your game astronomically. Yeah, it's very easy to look at like even Tetris and say like, well, if you play it this way, like you'll just be so much better at it. And it's not like a fighting game thing where it's like, oh, if you know how to like use proper spacing, it's like if you basically arrange them this way and kind of know what to do with each piece, like you will just you will be playing at a different level almost immediately where it's like you can just look up how to get better at at a puzzle fighter versus something like Street Fighter a lot more easily. But then you have to work with like how fast can i play that way and that's kind of like the 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 building block that you have to uh work with yeah you want to hear the worst snobby take just to be clear i'm not having this take because i think it sucks but i'm saying saying. other a lot of people are saying that 
it was a weird instinct that I had. A lot of other people are saying that I had this instinct of seeing that Puzzle Fighter has come to the Switch and everywhere was like, oh, that's awesome. But there's also a part of me that's like, I kind of liked it being special. I kind of liked it being this thing that I could only play in my MAME cabinet. And now that I'm just going to have it everywhere on my Switch, I, it lo- ruins a little bit of that magic of like, it used to be a very time and place thing. And now it's like, eh. Now you can eat cookies whenever you want with Cookie Crisp. It's basically what, what, the same philosophy. What you have to do then is you have to become that guy who's like, it's got one frame of input delay. I can't. It's unplayable. I can't do yes, this. Yes, like, that's I need to play the, the guy. Market version of it. Yes. Uh, like the there the sprite kind of renders every other frame instead of oh. it renders every frame now instead of every other frame. That's what really gave the series its whole charm. That's the whole linchpin of the experience. Is yes. that like this? The the arcade cabinet couldn't handle rendering every sprite on every frame, so they had to alternate, and that's what made the game great. They like yeah. they've they've actually updated it, and now it's trash i've been looking for a guy to be i should be that guy you're right yeah. i should write that down that's a really good guy we're all we're all looking for a guy to be <laughs> an snl sketch recently uh june 24th is when uh the thing's coming out uh capcom fighting collection uh i can't wait it's gonna be super fun um for absolutely everybody uh let's see hey surreal before you go i wanted to ask you a question yeah it's a it's a little personal are you okay answering personal stuff on this podcast uh how personal are we going <laughs> um extremely personal um how, do you know how this whole thing operates ben i what the hell dude he, I, I know okay. we know each other well but i understand it's a public forum i just want to know come on I, I will, can i actually say before surreal says this every time you come on the podcast i just mark off in my head a little surreal did not consult on this game <laughs> I was like, okay, shut up. surreal did not consult on l3 shut up uh okay the, the only thing i'll say yeah is patreon that's right everybody this exists because of patreon.com slash minmax with two n's just go there look at the tiers find something that you like and it helps support us uh yeah listening to this podcast watching this podcast is the tip of the iceberg there is so much more content that we create uh just the sense of community and the discord you are missing out a little bit and it's a great opportunity to jump on in um so i I tried doing this thing where i said hey if you support us within this window on recording day, within the next couple hours, we'll give you a special shout out. So if you can hit this pocket of time, then you will get a special shout out on the podcast. So this is a special segment I like to call congratulations to campbell 412 for jumping in and supporting us at the five dollar tier on patreon in that hot pocket and drake murray thank you so much drake murray and campbell 412 drew uh, drake murray here he jumped into the two dollar tier and then he said wait a minute nay and then he edited it to the five dollar tier so you can get that patreon exclusive podcast feed and get access to shows like party chat our patreon exclusive podcast a bonus podcast every single week and a whole lot more um also thank you to everybody else that's been supporting us in a big bad way we're talking about jabba's palace a love letter game from z-man games uh it is one uh for golden geek awards uh, golden geek awards for the most innovative board game best party board game best family board game and best card game that's a love letter game this is star wars jabba's palace which is a variant on love letter game i really enjoy this game for two to six people it's easy to get into i visited my parents over the weekend in arizona and i brought it with and they're not star wars fans but i said hey let's play this they had a blast uh they were laughing so hard it's like well that's a successful tabletop game so check out star wars jabba's palace a love 
love letter game if you're interested in that type of thing. Also, please follow us on Twitter because we're going to be giving away copies of Star Wars Jabba's Palace uh, for free. So follow MinMax Show on Twitter if you want a chance to win a free copy. Also, thank you to Diverge Coffee. They say, hey, everybody, Bryant and Nick here from Diverge Coffee. We just wanted to thank you again for all the support. We hope all of you wonderful MinMaxers have enjoyed the coffee you've gotten from us. If you haven't yet, check us out at DivergeCoffee.com and use code MinMax for 15% off of any order. Again, that's DivergeCoffee.com, discount code MinMax with two M's. And thank you to our friends, of course, at the Fixture Gaming Outlet. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1. It's a $35 clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro controller, and you can slide your screen on top of that so you can play with the best controller on the go. There's a link below if you want to check it out on Amazon. There's also a bundle that comes with a carrying case. And they recently announced the Fixture S2, which is for the OLED model of the Switch. No release date yet, but it's on the way, everybody. Uh, So yeah, play with comfort on the go. Wouldn't you agree that comfort is good? Jacob Geller agree with that all right there we go then check out the fixed rest one if you want to play with it into switch pro controller on the go uh also thank you to the folks at i am 8-bit they want everybody to know about the spirit fair collector's edition available on switch and playstation this is an i am 8-bit exclusive because it's a very cool funky thing it comes with a fully functional everlight replica from the game also a digital download uh for a 96 page art book for spirit fair digital download for the soundtrack from spirit fair which is also fantastic it is a great way to celebrate uh, truly a fantastic game. So check out Spirit Fair's Collector's Edition on I Am 8-Bit's online store. And for everything in that online store that's under $100, you can use the promo code TIGERSTYLE. Tiger style, all one word for 10% off everything in that wonderful online store. So please check it out and help support them because they support us in a big bad way, including by giving away a prize, a physical prize each and every week to the MinMax community. Here's how it works. People who support us at any tier on Patreon, even the $2 tier, can submit a question each and every week for us to answer on this podcast. We choose our absolute favorite. I am 8-Bit sends out a physical prize. It's a great deal. It's a steal of a deal, if you can call it that. So this week, they're uh, shipping out Mutazion, the game on Switch. It is a very funky iMateBit version of that awesome game on Switch. You can check that out. Uh, Okay, so we need to really look alive and choose the best person to win this uh, Switch game. Um, But Surreal, you're not welcome anymore, man, because we love you too much and our hearts will explode if we have to keep looking at you. (laughs) I guess style. (laughs) All right, you want to clap out, dude? Leo Vader, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. What was Thank the world you. like before you came here? What was what like? The world like before you were born. Oh, it seems better. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, hey, we got a bunch of great community questions. Y'all ready to get to them? <laughs> yeah. Leo, I'm sorry. The floor is yours. Do you want to tell people about yourself or anything? Oh, you know, just a just a 28-year-old Virgo making his way through the big city. <laughs> From do, you ever, do you ever want to move out of the cities? Do you ever want to move out to the country or something, Leo? Just get out of this rustle and tussle world? Sure. Certainly this rustle and tussle cost of living. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we talked about that. I went over to your place not too long ago. We ate a burrito and talked about everything costing too much. It was just like good bro talk, I think. Yeah, I thought you wanted to reenact it. I thought that's why you brought that up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it went a little something like this. <laughs> Uh, hey, Dudley Kyle Lawhorn writes in and says, Hello, gamers. Being as the most hyped up game from the 21st century releases on Friday, what is the first game release you remember getting personally excited about? This was tough. I had a tough time with uh, yeah. this one. 
because the, uh, I started with Super Nintendo, but like games just existed. I you know yeah. I didn't know they were coming. But the first one I th- I'm pretty sure that I knew was coming was Super Mario 64. Ooh, be- because of that N64 VHS that magically showed up at my house. Yes. that I watched over and over and over and over and over again, knowing that it wasn't available yet. That's weird because. I am still trying to wrap my mind around my childhood. And I guess that's kind of the point of being an adult is that's what you're supposed to spend your time on. But like, I also, for some reason, I have no idea how I never subscribed to a single gaming magazine, but I somehow was sent the Donkey Kong Country VHS tape. And I watched that thing ad nauseum. Is that the right way to phrase that, Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just watched it constantly, but there was never a part of me that's like, I need this game or it's even an option to have this game. It was just like, well, that's a Super Nintendo. That's a console I know I don't have that, so I guess this tape will have to do. And that's why, to this day, I still like making ofs more than the content itself, I think. Interesting. Um, but Mario 64, like, what, were they teasing a lot on that tape? Was it a good tease of everything in that game? Well, yeah, I mean, they just showed the game being played, which was really I guess that's all you need. novel <laughs> at the time. I mean, there was nothing like that. Like, to pop a VHS in and see, like, a video game on your TV that you weren't actively playing was, like, weird. And, like, I had never seen anything like Mario 64, and they had all these weird sketches where, like, they faked testing the game with, like, people dressing up and fake jumping into, like, uh, portraits on the walls and stuff like that. And they had rooms that were filled with snow, and then they would show gameplay of the snow level. I, that Yeah, th- those tapes. I, I was a Nintendo Power subscriber, so I think that's how they got my address. But, like, th- it's it, it's one of those things that I thought was, like, only I knew about, but then you meet people who yeah. also watch those and were obsessed with them. And you're like, Oh, thank God. Like, cause that was huge for me to just watch that. They had like two second clip of golden eye in there. And I was like, what is this? Oh my God. Yeah. It's like know? the, uh, it's like the ring footage, except instead of seven days later, <laughs> right. you die. Seven days later, you buy another Nintendo game and everyone's just secretly right. passing these things around. It's everywhere. There's I also that remember thing. a tape like that and I had never knew what it was from. And I feel like it must've been Nintendo power now because it had Majora's mask on it. And the other one I remember was, a commercial for Centipede, where they made the centipede you were shooting and Centipede look like a really cool monster that you cared about killing. <laughs> Instead of what? Are you saying the centipede isn't badass in Centipede, Leo? <laughs> That's not my first word I think of now. <laughs> uh, Bob Buell in the backstage pass, you're watching us live. He said Pokemon Silver and Gold. And I think... If I may steal your answer, Bob, I need your permission. I think that might have been mine. I was so excited for that and like downloading Japanese ROMs over and over and over again. So it feels late to me, but either that or like a little bit later, like Metal Gear Solid 3 was when I was really... Mine is also embarrassingly late because I didn't have a a console growing up and I didn't like get magazines and whatever. And so it's like there were sometimes when I'd like I would see a commercial on the uh, Star Wars Episode 3 DVD for Star Wars Battlefront and I'd be like, that looks like the greatest game ever made. And then I'd find out that like Star Wars Battlefront 2 was already out. (laughs) Right, Uh, right. (laughs) um, But for me, the the first time that I like I knew I knew the date it was coming out and uh, I was just losing my mind was was Smash Bros. Brawl mm. um, or like I, yes. I like I woke up every morning and checked the Smash Dojo before yes. I went to school. I'm like, totally like with that. you. I'm absolutely with you. And like it, it seems so late, but that was 
I think the most excited I've ever been about a game release. No, I mean, I would I would argue, you know, I know the, the person was being, you know, kind of hyperbolic with like most anticipated game release of the 21st century. But like Brawl legitimately feels to me like, you know, kind of the early Internet, like game facts and stuff. It was like one massive movement of just this is collectively the most excited we have ever been about anything is <laughs> yeah. super smash bros brawl coming out and it was so stupid like i still remember i'm trying to remember the pacing of character reveals i would love to find that archaeological dig kelsey lewin you're you have a lot of free time right if you're listening please uh reveal this for me with your uh, history knowledge but like i want to know the character pace for reveals for brawl because i I remember checking it like, you know, every morning and just assuming that some Tuesday morning they would announce some new character. But like that must have been a bigger wind up than that. Most mornings it was like, well, hey, but it did f- feel kind of random. It was I just like so. the beam sword is in the game. And yes. also Lucas. Yeah, but it's such a weird thing to wake up and be like, oh, going to school and telling friends like the fans coming back. Y'all. It's like, yeah, OK, I would have assumed <laughs> as much, but it was such a big deal for that thing. That's interesting. I for me, it would have been like the Wii launch, and specifically Red Steel is the mm, first time wow. I remember obsessively watching every video and reading every piece out there about it. Because your mind just runs with it. Like this is going to be perfect one to one swordplay. Yeah, it, it helps when they lie about what the game's going to be. It's really <laughs> exciting. Yeah, tip for marketing out there: lie. <laughs> um, do you think we'd have fun if we played Red Steel Two multiplayer at some point on a stream or something, Leo, oh. for like extra life? Red Steel 1 multiplayer? Definitely. Oh. I always took... Red Steel 2 didn't have multiplayer, unfortunately. Oh, really? Oh, I thought that was like the good one, so I assumed that that would be the one to go to. But Red Steel 2 was the good one, but Red Steel 1 had the multiplayer where you would put the Wiimote up to your ear and you'd get a phone call and it would say, kill player 2 with grenades, and then you'd have to do your secret <laughs> mission in your four-player split screen. Amazing mode. I like just the idea of pausing. Hang on, I have to take this. It's worse. That sounds awesome. Right? Drew Sobigraj writes in... So be a garage. I wish I could say that and sound cool. Uh, it says, hey, crew, is there a game you loved as a kid that you refuse to replay now due to not wanting to find out that the game is not as good as you remembered it? Follow up question. If so, what is that game? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't really feel that way about going back to old games, right? Like, I, I feel like Goldeneye is the go to one. Yeah. If you revisit Goldeneye today, you're like, oh, my God, this is like unplayable. But I'm also like the kind of person where that does not change the wonderful memories I had with the game in any media. You right. know, that's why I don't mind like remakes and stuff like that. So I, yeah, my answer is kind of no. Uh, I don't mind if, going back to old stuff even if it's bad. But what if there's something that's outside of just like the pure popcorn fun of Goldeneye and something that hits you a little bit more artistically? You know, like what if you went back to maybe not Sands of Time for you. What if you went back like Eco and played that and were like, you know what? That art was bad, it turns out. I play Eco like once a year. That well, game of course is incredible. It's the least surprising thing <laughs> yeah, ever. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying something in that arena, it's something in the artistic arena, I think would hurt you more if you realized that it sucked in retrospect. I've always had good taste and I always will. There, <laughs> wow. were, there were a lot of, I feel like the answer to me, it, it's, it's hard because it's like, it's not like I've made an intentional choice as much as they're all gone. But like, flash games were such a huge influence Mm. on on me growing up and like i have pretty strong memories of a lot of them and i'm sure those games play like garbage oh yeah just like like could not be worse you know but like i i think about i'm trying to remember uh like heli attack two and three were games that i like truly loved and played so much and it's like i i don't think i would 
Maybe I would. I don't know. I would. I think I would go back and play them if it was offered. Yeah. That would be, be free. That would also be yeah. like a secret juggernaut if like THQ Nordic got out there and it'd be like the equivalent of, remember like those weird PC games in the aisles of Walmart where it's like 3,000 games in one disc or whatever back in the day? Yeah. If they released something like that that was just, here's every Flash game from your youth, but now you can play it on a console. I feel Someone like the Flash game bundle. Newgrounds.com. I like guess that's that would what it's be a, uh, based on the content of some of those games. That would be a THQ Nordic move. <laughs> <laughs> Every flash game. Shout out to Mike. What did they say on that eight chan thing? What was that? I don't God. Remember this? I <laughs> Anyways, I remember that. We yeah. can we can all forget it collectively if we want to. Um, yeah, I think th- this made me think. That's, of, you know, uh, revisiting that news story that really hampered my <laughs> appreciation. Yeah, my you're nostalgia. right. I used to think it was art, and now it's just gross. Um, but I think something like Xenogears is up there for me, which is a game that I really loved. I remember thinking it was really powerful storytelling and really smart. And now I worry if I went back to it, it'd just be like, this is barely incoherent, but if I Google some of this stuff, it talks about Nietzsche, so I guess therefore it's smart or something. Like, Ah, yes, Carl Jung, therefore great game. I, I worry about that. I'm not besmirching the good name of Xenogears, but that is my deep fear that if I went back to it, it would just be like stock, simple, boring crap. There were games that I never got to play as a kid that I formed an idea of in my mind, and now I kind of don't want to play them because the idea was so exciting. Like, uh, Geist was a M-rated GameCube game, and so I could not play it, but I remember thinking, that must be the best game ever. It's rated M and on the GameCube. (laughs) You're like a ghost in that game, right? You can, like, possess people. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Chris Logan writes in and says, Hey, everybody, do you think the best superhero movie of all time has already been made? Probably. Which, well, first off, what's the best one currently? Well, I think we all Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Ooh. That's that's like the smart person choice. I think I was actually... And I feel like the sequel might be better, so who knows? You feel that. (laughs) I'm glad to know you feel that way. Like, I still really, like, you can't deny the impact of the original spider-man i feel like it's kind of lost these days yeah. but like the dark knight i don't yeah. know is still so important to me just because i love batman so much and nolan but like you really pulled the rug out from under me with into the spider-verse because i i love that movie so much yeah and those those are the two for me spider-verse and dark knight yeah did you um did you uh listen to that recent interview with uh lord and miller um, no, I haven't. Happy, sad, confused podcast had an interesting one where they talked a little bit about Solo, probably the most they've ever talked about it, but it's still very sensitive. But they also talked about like the the Jump Street movies that never came to be and how close that Men in Black Jump Street crossover mm. was to happening, all that fun stuff. Um, Shout out real quick to the After Party on Apple TV. Yeah, they talk about the Miller joint. It's so good. I feel like it's kind of like not getting talked about a lot, but. Uh, Seriously, like my favorite TV show right now, The After Party. So good. So funny. Because the whole idea is it's a murder mystery, but what if every episode was a different genre from a different person's point of view about a party? Yep. All And I, I, I don't know if every episode's directed by Miller, but he directed a bunch of them, uh, and Phil Lord wrote a few of them. It's, it's great. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. I canceled my Apple TV subscription. I had like that six-month window or whatever from playstation 5 and it's like yeah i finished ted lasso i'm gonna stop now before i enjoy any more tv um good dunes also good on apple tv everybody get apple tv okay i guess we'll have to get it um yeah i don't know is it is it will this already be seen as the heyday of superhero movies and it can't get better like i do think people are going to get super nostalgic as time goes on 
for the Infinity Gauntlet saga of Marvel, right? I think people will hold that up in high regard as just, I would imagine Marvel eventually <laughs> starts to know. dip I mean, and spread out like even more. It's like if you said in, God, I don't know when these movies were coming out, like the, the 60s, the 50s, you were like, do you think the best Western movie right. uh, that will ever come out has been made? Like, that was certainly the heydays of Westerns, but like, the answer is probably no. Like, you know, probably in the, the 50 years since we've got one that's been better. No uh, Country for Saddles hadn't come out yet. <laughs> and so, like, uh, you know, I think... I think this will be the most superhero movies, but my guess is that <laughs> the best one will still be later on. Yeah, it's just Leo. If you were hired by Marvel to write a, a superhero movie, would you take that job? Do you think there's anything interesting you could do? And it's not a matter of like the genres being limited, but do you feel like you could find some avenue that'd be interesting for you? Definitely. I think. I think. The best superhero movie ever made will be the most interesting one, and I think that's why Into the Spider-Verse is, like, so high up there right now. Yeah. Because I feel like it's the strangest and most unique in so many ways, and I feel like if someone were to have a big superhero and not have the rules imposed on keeping it consistent with this, with the 400 other IPs it has to be in the same universe with, we could get something really interesting. Maybe that'll be the Batman. Yeah, I mean, some people might point to, like, the Joker, people who love the Joker, like, oh, they kind of had that idea of, like, what if there's something that you don't need to tie into the larger continuity and you can do something a little bit stranger. And, yeah, I, I keep forgetting, Kyle, you know what the Batman's coming out, like, next week? Uh, not for me. <laughs> oh, okay. I am very excited for that movie, but I'm not sure when I'll see it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see that thing. Uh, Kit N writes in and says, hey, all especially glad to see Jacob return. And then Kit wrote, always love his insight. So, extra pressure for inside here, buddy. Uh, with Elden Ring, everybody is very hyped, mainly due to From Software's past success. Do you feel that there's any studio, indie or otherwise, that truly don't put out bad games? I personally think, well, I'll spare his suggestions because I think one of them's the only correct answer. Is there a studio that just don't miss? Um, Play Dead. Play Dead. But that's two. Yeah, my and my answer was the best uh, games ever made. <laughs> team Eco slash Gen Design. Gen Design. It's like actually... they've put out they've put out three games and they're three of the best games ever made. Just like that, you know. It's the more games you put out, the harder it is to keep a perfect track record. Do you think their track record is dinged because of the confusion about like their split from Sony? Like it's tougher to call them like one team because like I don't know how many Eco developers I mean, are still at I Gen think, Design. I think it's. It's it's almost more it's like Fumitu Ueda, yeah. you know, like you would you would say Kojima has I wouldn't say Kojima has a perfect track record. But if you were, you know, you would say that so like he's the driving force behind those games and he's kept a lot of the same team. The same is true of Ueda. Yeah. Kojima's productions, I think, is how you technically phrase <laughs> yeah. that. Um, yeah, I think the correct answer for the most impressive run right now, I think, is Supergiant. Like, oh, that's a good, that's one, a good yeah. one. I mean, yeah. they're batting a thousand. And people point to Naughty Dog, of course, but you got your weird early era Naughty Dog. You got your racing games where they're they're good. And, uh, Jack X, you know, a little bit of a ding in there to some degree, right? Whereas just like a completely new world every single time with Supergiant and they've just knocked it out of the park every time. It's crazy. Hey, I just got to... Somebody should buy them. Hmm. <laughs> Um, make them better it's really it's really like uh (laughs) i feel like we're picking recent ones because it's like die a hero or 
live long enough to see yourself be it's like yes the the longer you go on the more you might make a bad game or the the team will just get kind of like diminished or whatever um so it's hard to think about like studios that died you know like yeah. uh what what was that what was the the one that made uh was it grasshopper that was dissolved that did like okami and beautiful joe that like became platinum clover okay yes yeah because it's like i would platinum doesn't have a perfect track record even though i love those but like maybe clover did because they only made like three games before they were dissolved yeah what about hal laboratories yeah they made that ufo game which was only a solid eight um yeah hal's good how many how many bad games has hal released let's let us count the ways holy lord they've made too many games box boy the kirby games are pretty fun yeah they they technically did smash brothers they've made a lot of games though they will not stop i'm on their wikipedia good lord um kirby fighters 2 i think we all saw is that unanimous (laughs) it's the first time the studio really tripped and landed on its face yeah there's just been so many kirby games that are solid but yeah. I don't know. I think you need to be a notch above. Oh, hang on, I take it all back. They made Face Raiders on the 3DS, so that's that's bringing them up a little bit as well. They're, what they're about solid. United Front Games? They made Sleeping Dogs and Mod Nation Racers and Little Big Planet Karting and the remaster of Tomb Raider, and those are all good games. That is true. That's true. Leo, you're speaking the truth, man. Um, I remember at some point, speaking of Supergiant, um, in an interview, somebody asked who the greatest developer of all time was to Greg Kasavin. Uh, the creative director over there, and without hesitating, he's like, oh, it's Intelligent Systems. Like, no one talks about it, but Nintendo's, that studio, Intelligent Systems, is just ridiculous. Like, all the WarioWare games, Paper Mario games, Fire Emblem games, just in the recent era, they're just unprecedented. So I think they're a contender. Um, That's a good one. Uh, does Artifact... Project Steam, huge. Huge. Um, do you think uh, Artifact dinged Valve in a significant way, or is everybody see like, well, card games don't count, they're still unimpeachable? I mean, I think uh, yeah. Valve's been nothing but impeached until Half Life <laughs> Alex. There's a good 15 years of impeachment. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they always got so close. But just because they're impeached doesn't mean they're removed from office. Removed from their office, they got to keep working. By the way, Hanson, could you go back and 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 post its code name Steam, not Project yeah, Steam? Absolutely, Steam. man. No problem. Fix that joke for me. For sure. Thank you. For sure. Uh, what do you nick? <laughs> <laughs> joke referencing the name of a game. <laughs> is, is this a funny new show plus show? <clears throat> I was thinking there's some there's something to this, and this is probably just telling jokes, and I don't know how to wrap my mind around it. And Leo, I need your help on this. But there's something to like some game names are funny when you say them. And it's because it's that sweet spot of like, I basically forgot about that game, but it was really important at one point, and that's what makes it funny. Is there some new show plus show where the entire premise is just like a stand-up comedy routine, but we can all only say one <laughs> game at a time? Just say the name of a game, then whoever says the funniest name of a game wins. Uh, the Quiet Man. Right, exactly. That type of thing. <laughs> the Adventures of Cookie and Cream. Yes, exactly. I'm <laughs> doing it right now. Kyle, I, I for everybody, uh, Phil inside scoop here the last episode of trivia tower was all from software based there was a lot about souls born and stuff like that and tomorrow Hussein joined us and it was a very fun episode you can find it on our youtube channel if you're feeling prepped for soul stuff uh it's a fun time um play along at home please 
but Kyle was on Party Chat, our Patreon exclusive podcast, <laughs> and I mentioned that it was a From Software themed episode. He's like, "Oh, Adventures of Cookies and Cream, Echo Night," and just like sh- starts shouting out all of the obscure From Software <laughs> games, which of course I had preloaded as prompts for that episode. But he was trying to be cool, deep cut guy. I was like, "No, Kyle, I get to be cool, deep cut guy with the trivia. That's the point." <laughs> No, that's cool fine. deep cut guy is the superhero movie that Leo's writing. Oh god, that sounds fun. That sounds Which fun. will be the best superhero movie ever made. We're all looking forward <laughs> to it. Um, hey, Witty Nickname here writes in with a question that nobody else cared about, but I think it's interesting. Uh, they say, hey, cohorts, maybe this comment will be invalidated when they're only able to ship 80 Steam decks to customers this weekend, but can any <laughs> of you speak to the strange confidence and bullishness Valve is showing? Launching the Steam Deck at a time where every device more complicated than an electric toothbrush is subject to chip shortages and is absurdly difficult to find. How are they pulling this off? And then they write, follow the money, question mark. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't so, know. So they're talking about the confidence of actually shipping units to yes. customers. It seems like everyone else okay. has just ruled that out, but somehow they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and hit February with this big rollout of hardware," and it seems like everything's going to plan so far, which is crazy in this economy. I mean, now nah, this is just conjecture, but Valve is a company that could afford to stockpile those things, right? Like where like over the years. Uh, but I mean, yeah. yeah, like when did they start stockpiling? I don't know. Them? Like but like, before yeah. the chip shortage? Well, I What's know the crank the crank system play date. play date. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm very excited for that too. Like they they kind of have to make it and get it to customers immediately. They can't like sit on those for a long period of time because they're you know like a young company. Where right. Valve, I think, could well, sit on Steam decks for a little while. So see, maybe they maybe they have a nice cache. So you're saying that, like, Gabe Newell spending a lot of time in New Zealand, he's just hanging out in Smaug's cave, but instead of gold, he just has computer chips? Yeah, he's sitting on a throne of boxed Steam decks. Interesting. That could be. I don't know. I just feel like it's, like, not... It, it It's not, you know, remotely equatable to, like, a console launch. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think... I think people are excited for these. I also don't think it's that... You know, I I think the order that they are going to be shipping, one, I think they're comfortable selling out. And two, I just think it's an order of magnitude less than a PS5 or something like they just they're they're okay selling out. And their total customer base is like a million people. It's probably more than that. And they're clear about like this will be quarter two. This will be quarter three. They say I'm going to get one in quarter one this year. So I guess that's the first wave. I don't know. But um, I don't know if I'm cool. I guess so. Who can say? Might be quarter zero. <laughs> Might be quarter people. zero. But um, maybe it's also something about like, and I'm an idiot, but maybe it's something about like the parts being a little bit older, right? It's not the most mm. cutting edge thing. So I don't know if graphics cards from four years ago, or whatever this hardware is the equivalent of, are in such high demand, but this is. This. Uh, they are. They are. Unfortunately. Oh, well, never mind that. I'm an idiot. Uh, Interada writes in and says, hello, everybody. I was taking... I was, <laughs> I was taking a talk with my friends. He just wrote talking. I was trying to just recover. I was talking with my friends last week about combat encounters and games. Would you consider Mario games to have combat encounters? <laughs> in, uh, in like, uh, what is the, the Bowser's Fury? They're like cat stars that you can only get you like go into a place and like walls come up and you have to kill all the things in yes there. like that's a combat encounter so combat encounter means you can't run away what's your definition of a combat encounter i think it's like a um 
it's a specifically designed thing where the goal is fighting. It's like, it can't just be like three Goombas that were like put on a level because you can just run past them and it doesn't matter. It's like, you've got to, the idea of the like gameplay has got to be, you're fighting now. Right. So even if it's not progression is gated until you defeat everything, maybe. Yeah. Mm, But okay. But you you know, not, not everything, but like, yeah, it's, it's like the, the thing you do in here is fight. But what about like uh, Chrono Trigger or just any RPG that you'd call those combat encounters, but they're avoidable. It's not like you can't progress unless you do it. No, but I mean, it's like when you get in that screen. Well, okay, I don't know. I'm thinking like, you know, turn based or whatever. It's like, obviously, when you get in the screen where it's like you're fighting now, that's combat. Um Ooh, so Nick, Backstage Pass, has a great question. They ask, so original Mario Brothers fighting Bowser on the bridge, that's a combat encounter? But nothing else in Mario is? Okay, interesting. Write in with your take on what defines a combat encounter, please. Uh, Procyon number six says, hey, Ben and friends, how much trouble did you get into growing up? Were you an angelic young adult or a little rascal? I was as naughty as my peers were, as my chosen peer at the time. You know, I went mm. through best friends like one per year through grade school. And there were a couple years where we were getting up to some to some behavior notice type. And then you'd always uh, throw behavior. them, you'd always throw them under the bus at the end of the year. And that's why you'd have to move on to a new friend. No, you want a, a story about how, how valiant I was? Yeah. In fact... Uh, my friend and I were climbing around in the stairwell, like hanging from the third floor railing just yeah. for the thrill of feeling alive instead Absolutely. of being in math class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was his turn to hang from it. Teacher came in, saw us, took us to the principal's office, let me go, gave him a behavior notice. Well, basically, I was like, I was doing it, too. I admitted. She was like, were you doing it? I was like, yes. Right. She said, you don't get a behavior notice because you were so honest. Wow. And then like 10 minutes later, she's like, no, we really should give you a behavior notice. Actually, that sucks. You, um, you didn't like school, Leo. Is that correct? I loved high school. Okay. Didn't like grade school. And it was because of what exactly? Private grade school, public high school mm. with cooler friend group in high school. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I was associated with you being miserable in high school. It was just that, I don't know. You didn't, do well in class or something? Why do I have this image of yeah. you being tortured? Is that what it is? Yeah, probably my ADD video on my channel. Ah, yeah, yeah, Starting yeah. So much with the with the grade portion of school. Right. And so I just assume anyone that doesn't get good grades is extra miserable in school and therefore hates it and therefore got into trouble. Right. But I got bad grades in high school and I loved it and I didn't get into trouble. There we go. In high school. Hey, it takes well, all kinds. Behavior notice. You got when when I was in. Right. Oh, excuse me. Uh, when I was in Sunday school, uh, I got a report card from Sunday school, which is strange. Uh, but the the teacher wrote <laughs> it was the Bible. Uh, uh, <laughs> the teacher wrote, "Jacob should use his powers for good instead of evil." What? What does that <laughs> mean? Cool. Uh, because a, as uh, I, I was a very, um, if you can believe it, I was a kid who like talked a lot and like was had strong opinions and whatever. And I think I would use that to lead the class astray. 
I would, I would just be like, all right, time to like fight, time to time to like you know pick a hill to die on Rise in up! Sunday school or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it was more. It was like it was like I was academically troublesome. I would just kind of like be annoying and start debates with the teacher and stuff. You Do- tell them with logic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a young Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Do you think? I mean, would you think you'd be proud of any of those debates looking back? Or was it all just like obnoxious stuff about like, oh, yeah, a snake and an apple. Okay, just that type of tone. I remember things not from Sunday school because like, I don't know, but it's like my my kind of like think about in the shower, like wake up and think about is like there were times in high school when teachers said things that I like knew was wrong but i was not good enough at like stating what i wanted to that i like couldn't i couldn't say it and now i'm like i could freaking own that teacher now but like it didn't didn't have the words and so like those are the ones that i want to go back to and get on that teacher now that i'm older than she was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in fact i'm going to go to their gravestone and really let them have it uh chris prohaska writes in and says this weekend my parents brought me three shoeboxes full of old Amiibos and Disney Infinity figures that I left at their house. As such, I'm inspired to put some of these hundreds of dollars worth of collectibles to good use with a new game called Disney Infinity or Beyond. I'll name a character. You have to guess whether it received a Disney Infinity toy or not. And because I think it's the only person interested in this, Kyle, this is going to be fully for you. (laughs) All right. I know, when you suggested Disney trivia, I didn't. this is not the direction I thought I was going to take. All right. All right, here we go. Did this character have a Disney Infinity figure or not? Which, I'll defend those Infinity, uh, Infinity figures. I think they're awesome. I don't know who's attacking them, but I, I will stand up and defend them like a hero. My blows have been blocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle. Did this character have an Infinity figure? Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. Yeah. No. Come on. Oh. Don't be naive. <laughs> Uh, too confident. Jack Skellington. Yeah. Yes, he did. The Lone Ranger. Yep. Okay. Zerg from Toy Story. No. Oh, yes, I think so. No. No, okay. no, no. Yeah. Black suited Spider Man. Yes. Correct. Sam Flynn awesome. from Tron Legacy. Sam Flynn. Yep. That's the son. We all know. It's not Jeff Bridges? It's, it's stupid to even ask. Of course we all know the answer to that. Now, do, are, yes. do they have a figure? Yes, they do. R2-D2. No. Correct. Poe Dameron. No. Sorry, the answer is yes, of course, Big Poe. Um, okay, this is a double-sided pop quiz. Arlo. Yeah. From Good Dinosaur. Wow, good job, Kyle. That's a dinosaur from Good Dinosaur. <laughs> the answer is no. So I'm sorry you don't get those points. All right. Is that true? Yeah, true. Uh, wait, wait. That he's he wasn't a Disney Infinity. He's figure? not. But Spot is the guy. The the strong. Is Arlo like part of the figure? I think they would have mentioned that part. I, I don't think so. Uh, Leo. Well, Kyle's googling. Goofy. Did he have a Disney Infinity figure? No. Correct. Isn't that messed up? Uh, Jacob Geller. War Machine from Marvel. Yeah, sure. Absolutely not. Uh, Kyle Baloo from Jungle Book. Yeah. Yes. Kyle. Yeah, I had that one. Alice from Alice in Wonderland. No. Yes. Specifically di- designed off the live action version, which seems insane. Oh, that's cheating. Uh, last one. <laughs> Sora from Kingdom Hearts. No. 
Correct. But if you bought every Disney Infinity 3 figure, this person writes, you could unlock the Keyblade as a weapon that would one-shot everybody. And, fun fact, Kyle wrote an article about that for Game Informer. Oh, I did? That was peak <laughs> journalism, I think, is what the headline said. Uh, uh, I, I still have my original trilogy Star Wars ones with uh, Leia and Solo and Luke. Yeah, I think those are okay, awesome. Those figures are really cool. So yeah, I still I mean, have those. In, Same here. In a, like, a post-Fortnite world... Is Disney shutting down Disney Infinity like the dumbest thing they ever did? Thinking no. about just like all those characters mm. being, it's like, oh yeah, they had all the superheroes and all Star Wars and they could have just put them all in one game. I think just that well, the th- they that, did though is the thing. It didn't work. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think guess why didn't no it work? That game is like, what did they mess up? How could that not work? I think it felt kind of bad to play if I may, it was a little bit janky. So even if it's like, Details. oh, they had they had the right idea, I think just the tech of the platforming and everything was not quite there. But the, it was I mean, the right instinct. I feel like Hans and I have probably talked about this a lot or yeah. thought about this a lot because we visited the studio. For, was it for 3.0? Yep. Right? Yep. Or was it 2.0? And um, I mean, even I, this, we talk about this all the time. So I'm sorry if we're retreading this, if you listen to this podcast at all. But like, we went there and they showed us like a kart racing game that looked really amazing. And you could use all these Disney characters, any like Disney Infinity figure you could use with this really good kart racing game from a kart racing developer. But it's like buried behind like layers and layers of like microtransactions. Like, yeah, I, I wasn't even clear how to play it. And like, my <laughs> thought was always like, these, you have like a million different games that are cool, but they're, it's really confusing how to access them. The thing that they should have done, which like Fortnite ended up doing really well, is like they had a one really amazing core game that everyone gravitated towards where Disney Affinity was spread super thin. Like if they yeah. had just had like D- Disney Infinity Kart Racer as a game that you could buy at the store for 40, 50 bucks, like I think that would have been a huge hit, but like to like wrap it up in that package just made it complicated. Yeah, it reminds me of like, you know, playing Lego Dimensions because I'm like, oh, I really want to see that Portal content. That's so crazy. They made Portal content for Lego Dimensions. And I maybe, look, had like two beers in me, but it was myself and a couple friends trying to get to that content with all of the figures and all that stuff. And we just could not figure it out with the actual Lego figures. Like, where are we supposed to go? What is this? When is this going on this platform? And then I have to assemble this and put this over here. It was just such a complicated mess. And it just becomes so top heavy so quick. But that's choice of life, everybody. We all know how it went. Um, Alex Smith writes in and says, hey, everybody, do video game protagonists talk too much? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alex I- has been playing a lot of Horizon Forbidden West and it's driving him insane, apparently. She talks a lot, Aloy. Yeah. Uh, I, but it's, yeah, I think so. Because sometimes I like it. Sometimes if it's just like adding to the narrative, it's interesting. I like it. But it's, they're so quick often to explain what you need to do before you even get a chance to try to contemplate it. Like, oh, I got to go over there. I got to get underwater here. I got to climb under this thing. Right. It is weird. They, they, I mean, they spend a lot of time alone, I guess. I guess that's why video game protagonists talk to themselves so much. I think, uh, I think characters talking in cutscenes or like skippable dialogue sections is fine. What I would love to kind of strike from the earth is like unskippable, just slow walking through an yeah. environment. Uh, especially because it's like on replay, those are what kill games is just like, oh boy, I was sure having fun with this thing, and now I just need to like slowly walk forward for three minutes, but it's not a cutscene, so I can't skip it. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, the, make those sections skippable. That's it. Just no more. You know what I'm thinking of right now would be a great idea is if in gameplay you could press a button to have Aloy say something and it was contextual. You know, it's ready with what you'd want to say, whether it's a hint or like she's scared because she's getting shot at. Mm -hmm. But you decide like I'm yelling. Wouldn't that be more fun as a gamer? Like this part of the D-pad is have an idea out loud right now, Aloy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Sam Worms right in with my favorite category saying missed joke opportunity um, last week when talking about Siskel and Ebert for get a load of this uh, is the video of them roasting one another you could have said get a load of diss because they're dissing each other that's mm. solid Sam Worms we'll accept that we should have done that you're right life's nothing but a handful of regrets Brian with a Y writes in and says hey man Max when you're watching something funny by yourself do you laugh I know several people that think it's strange to laugh when they're alone does this mean that they hold in their laughter when they are alone? Does this also mean that they laugh with others? When they're laughing with others, they may be faking it? I don't know if I go that far, but where do y'all stand on laughing solo? Uh, I, I do this 100%. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I, uh, I have, a, I have a, a kitchen in, I have a TV in my kitchen where I watch TV while I do dishes. And I've been rewatching The Simpsons, which has been fun to just slowly make my way through The Simpsons. And there have been so many quick little gags that just make me laugh out loud by myself in the kitchen while I'm like cooking dinner or doing dishes. It's just these little jokes that just will catch me off guard and really make me laugh. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Like, you know, I used to live with your brother, Kyle. I don't know if you're aware of this. And, uh, and uh-huh. he was rewatching all of the Simpsons and just like overhearing those episodes in his room. I know it doesn't count quite as myself, but I would just be like in my bedroom and I would just burst out laughing every time I'd hear this joke. <laughs> of like, Oh, I haven't thought about that joke for so long. Like the joke that killed me that I completely forgot about was, it's just an episode of Krusty the Clown where he's just, hey, yelling at the kids at the start of the show. <laughs> it's just like, how much do you love Krusty? We love you so much. And he goes, and what would you do if I went off the air? And all the kids go, we'd kill ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. The one that really caught me, like really just caught me off guard that really just made me laugh out loud is there's like an episode, there's a Lord of the Flies episode where the kids get yeah. stranded on an island. And the episode ends with just a wide shot of the island and a narrator. And the narrator just goes like, I think it might even be James Earl Jones. But he's like, and the kids were eventually rescued by, I don't know, let's say Mo. (laughs) (laughs) So many layers to that joke of like the the character who would never would do that. The fact that they just left that thread totally hanging. No one cares. It just it just really made me laugh. Yeah. Leo, you're a solo laugher. I mean, I do laugh when I'm alone, but it's got to be really funny. There is has always been something about watching something with a group makes laughs happen more often. Sure. Yeah, that's that's the point. It's a whole social interaction thing. You got to show your teeth or whatever the biological reason is for it. I I, (laughs) uh, give this the thumbs up uh, selfishly, or I guess, uh, I don't know, givingly, because uh, (laughs) like the only the only YouTube videos that I will laugh at loud with by myself is when I am watching one of Leo's videos and there is frequently like one line per video that will kind of completely catch me off guard and I will like laugh very hard by myself and like I usually don't but like there's there's something uh that that always gets me yeah Leo I know I kissed your ass about it before but it's that video about with Slappy the dummy the ending of that video I thought I was going to die. It was so <laughs> funny to me. What is the name of that video again? The name of the video. Oh, the video that that's from. Yeah. Is uh, why are kids so obsessed with horror movies? That's right. That's right. Oh my God. That destroyed me. 
Um, let's see. Collector Emitter writes in and asks, hey, inspired by the Elden Ring chocolates. Bandit Namco sent us Elden Ring chocolates. We'll auction them off for extra life. So they're freezing in my garage right now. Um, what's the weirdest video game promo item you've ever seen or received? We got some fun Is- ones at Game Informer. I remember having a little tiny little crow from The Evil Within 2 on my desk for years. Oh, that's what that was from. It also- Is promo item different than like an item included in a special edition? Typically, yeah, they can be more custom. I think it's okay because I mean special. it's like my my thought immediately with this was the Dead Island torso, but that right. was like a special edition thing, not uh, not necessarily. A, and just to be a, clear, a, a the question promo. is, what's your absolute favorite video game promo yeah, item right. that you covet as a dear um, treasure? No, the thing, the one that I think about uh, once a day is the <laughs> the script to Beyond Two Souls that was oh, at Game Informer. Cool. That was a like two thousand blank pages uh, bound, and it said Beyond Two Souls, and and the idea was this is how long the script is. There's nothing in here, but like, imagine if those were filled with words. That's the script of Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> it's it's that's a really good one, and it's not yeah. that it's David Cage making the call to ship that out, but it it just summarizes so much about an Aquatic <laughs> Dream storytelling <laughs> so about just like fitting. oh yeah, we got a bad story. Look how thick the script was, everybody. <laughs> all right, all right, back off, back off. Um, I'll defend that game. I think that's fascinating. Anyways, uh, Sent the Prophet. Did you play Beyond Two Souls, Jacob Geller? No. Oh, my God. Do you like Quantic Dreams games at all? I, I do not. If you just want to have a 12-hour experience of just... it's It is the biggest mind-bending thing of... Sony spent how many millions on this game? It is one of the weirdest big budget games I've ever played. Kyle, am I wrong? It has to be number one, right? Gosh, it is that's an interesting. Absolutely write that in next week. Absurd. What is the like craziest biggest budget? <laughs> and it's like uh, Psychonauts Two is weird, but like that that is a whole different level of yeah. Weird. Honestly, in terms of like blank check games, uh, that's a whew. that's a good one. It's a big Specifically one. Specifically, Beyond Two Souls. Like, yes. At least Detroit Become Human has that like sci-fi hook that's like oh yeah I can see that <laughs> there's something there but just this one's about the afterlife uh, okay so you're gonna spend a lot of time on a Native American reservation oh my god it is fascinating Willem Dafoe's there for some yep. reason you're doing it Jody you're doing it anyway Sent the Prophet writes in and says my better quest goal this year was to reduce the amount of gaming time under the influence of a substance I frequently found myself uh, indulging in a cold beer a nicely rolled joint or a freshly brewed coffee before a gaming session you shouldn't make all these sounds so enticing by phrasing it that way, Sen. But anyways, um, also coffee is joints. doing doing some work, being with those other. Yeah, kids. hell yeah. <laughs> uh, before I thought I was heightening my experience of gaming, but I realized I was truly numbing my emotional reaction to games. Since the new year, uh, I've been playing without relying on anything to heighten my experience, and I found myself now more emotionally invested in games with a clear mind. A shout out to any other min maxers that find themselves in a similar bad habit. Moderation is key including moderation itself at times. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you got it. I like that idea of, well yeah, done. I think it's easy to fall into that groove of like, well, I'm going to have a glass of wine while I play a game, but you're naturally going to remove some of the sensations for yourself there. It's definitely been the case 
where it's like I t- they become too intertwined after a while, and it's like, oh, would I even have fun doing that? Right. If I'm not doing this other half of it, and yeah. that is something you got to be intentional about. Yeah. Phil Yeatsteak writes and says, "Hey crew, I have a bad habit of pulling up Twitter as soon as a cutscene or a minor conversation starts in games. I've really noticed myself doing it in Horizon." Same here, same here. And I'm trying to stop so I can pay better attention to dialogue and be more present. How are you all at staying focused on games without getting distracted by your phone and social media? Playing good games helps. That helps? Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, Souls has been, or, or, uh, you know, Elden Ring has been pretty good with that because there are no cutscenes and you can't pause it. And so it's like, I've been focused on that game (laughs) when, uh, when you're playing, but I'm, I'm so bad at this, even with games that I'm like excited for, I, I just like unconsciously pull up my phone and it sucks. Yeah. That was always my test for playing through telltale episodes. I was like, I would know the quality of the telltale episode based on how many times I took out my phone to check some nonsense in the <laughs> middle of it. You know, it's like, Oh, this was only a twofer. So their finest work yet. Way to go. I do. I do usually, I actively, not always, but I try to just like my phone's usually out of reach. Smart. Like not, not super far out of reach. Like I could stretch and get it, but that's usually enough to be like, ah, I don't need it. Yeah. Oh, it's already done loading, especially with, you know, the, the new generation. So that's sounds- less, less lately because of that. Loading yeah. and putting it out of reach. It sounds great, but I, as a chronic note taker, I have a tough time with that. Mm-hmm. I, I've always taken so many stupid little notes for the podcast and whatnot that it's like, eh, it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bob Buell with a PhD in wind jamming is his official name. He is the game champion of wind jammers too, so everybody give him his due respect. Uh, better Quest update for February, he says. If you recall, it is uh, to try a new style of food or restaurant once a month. This month, based on a suggestion from Mike Lynch on the Discord, I went to a fantastic Vietnamese restaurant. Baguette Delight in beautiful Edison, New Jersey. A pork banh mi sandwich, a bowl of chicken pho, and some spring rolls and another successful month down. Absolutely fantastic. Again, if folks have suggestions for the rest of the year, drop them for me in the Discord. Yeah, so a new style of food, new ethnicity of food. Is that what you'd say? Are we are we saying genre? Genre <laughs> is is this one that Bob Buell should try or one uh, that we look? He's have? just no. He's just he's taking suggestions. There's no question here. But he also says cuisine, cuisine, uh, kid cuisine. Try that, kid. Yes, <laughs> yes. you gotta try kids menus. If you've dude. never had kid food. It's actually really good. <laughs> no, I mean like kid cuisine, specifically the TV dinner brand kid cuisine. Of course, oh, right. which is a, ironically a fixture in kid cuisine. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> is that ironic? Yes, it is. The perfect definition of irony. Mm, Also shout out to Jacob Geller for getting me addicted to Vampire Survivor. I've sneakily put 20 hours into it and cannot recommend it highly enough. The ultimate podcast game. Old man and garlic for life, says Bob. Uh, Yeah. Ben, have you tried that game yet? I tried it yesterday. I feel so bad it took me so long to get to Vampire Survivor on Steam. Uh, It's what, like three bucks? It's it's ridiculously cheap. It's, It's one of those games that you start... And uh, Leo, have you seen this game? We talked about it before yeah. in the podcast. Okay, yeah, you're uh, only seen. Okay, uh, running around, shooting stuff. You get more powerful over time. Kind of has the instincts and kind of vibe of like an idle game, but twitchy enough. You're going on runs. It's one of those games where you start it and you immediately say, "I know, I know what you're doing here, game. I'm aware. I'm going to get a little bit more powerful every time." It, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. And still. Like the blink of an eye, an hour and a half went by when it started playing. It is truly the ultimate podcast game. It's like a little bit like Loop Hero was last year, except so much simpler. And I want to say dumber, but I don't know if that's fair to this game because it freaking works. 
Um, are you still playing it, Jacob Geller? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it rules. Like, and I don't even like Castlevania. I, I got no love for retro Castlevania, but still, just the mechanics are so simple and, and delightful. Is it a twin stick? I thought it was a twin stick shooter. Is that not what it it's, is? Yeah. It's only, it's a one stick shooter because you auto attack. Um, okay. So all you do is walk around. Yeah. Um, do you think, um, what would have happened to the history of gaming if this released, let's say, maybe Super Nintendo's pushing it, but let's say the PlayStation 1. If just a game that was this boiled down for like, we know what you gamers like, here's a bunch of progress and a little bit of skill, but mainly it's just a drip feed of constant progress. Would that just have revolutionized gaming back then? Yeah. We just I mean, it's it. like if, if Cookie Clicker came out for the Super Nintendo, I yes. think that would have revolutionized that. And this is, you know, kind Ooh. of more of a game, so it probably would have, you know, had even more pull. Honestly, I, that's, I love that idea. I really think it could have changed things. Cookie Clicker on Super Nintendo, you're totally right. Yeah. When I think about this question, which I love, I think about uh, this game Achievement Simulator on Newgrounds.com to mm. tie it back. That was just like... A very simple screen where you were just basically, I don't even know if you were clicking or walking around, but it was like you were just getting achievements for doing every single thing. Walk for the first time, jumped, clicked this elephant five times or whatever. And I played it for two hours straight until I got every single achievement, you know? (laughs) And it's like, you could have made that game at any point. Once you just figured out how to deliver dopamine that efficiently. Right. Something like that would have totally changed the trajectory just a of games. Box, right? Just check marks, more check yeah. marks on games. God. yeah. I think how many other games wouldn't exist because everybody would just be chasing that obvious rabbit hole. I mean, that said, I mean it's not like AAA games are. Well, <laughs> this is way wrong. I was gonna say it's not like AAA games are chasing that cookie clicker idle game high, but I guess that is what a lot of them are doing, and free to play world is doing in a twisted way of just you look at how many notifications are popping up in the average game. That is exactly yeah. what they're doing. Well, there's that, also stuff like, remember, like, Metal Gear, Portable Ops, well, I guess was the starting point, but, I mean, you know, that idea of, like, passive gameplay happening, you know, right. sending off your soldiers to do stuff for you while you did other stuff, and yeah. just compile, compounding and compounding that, you know? Right, right, right. I think you could say a lot of, like, open world games are about every single little thing you do, checking off a box somewhere at some point, and being motivated by that. Yeah, I mean, my beloved Nobody Saves the World, my beloved my beloved Pokemon Legends Arceus are both very much falling in that camp. I mean, the the game that was unseated by Elden Ring at, like, the top of the open critic charts, like, Mario Odyssey is literally, that's basically just Achievement Simulator. That's like, oh, you hopped <laughs> yeah. on a rock? Here you go. Uh, have, a, have a moon. Yeah, you found point. this Little thing in the ground, too? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Cree McGee writes in and says, Hey, Max, it's a popular fan theory in the Pokemon community that the entries in the Pokedex are insane because they were written by the player character who's almost always around 12 years old. I never thought of that, but I love that idea. As a teacher of real 12-year-olds, I wanted to put this to the test. Here's the game. You have to figure out which of the following Pokedex entries are real, in-game examples, and which were written by my middle school students. <laughs> that's awesome this is dangerously close to an easy allies podcast game so uh, okay here we go so you know Different citation answers. involves um drampa okay jacob geller drampa is this a real pokedex entry or one written by a middle schooler this is extra good because i don't know any pokemon excellent so i don't um, even know what this thing is <laughs> drampa is the name of a pokemon that's just my cute little nickname for you right now <laughs> so drampa get a load of this one okay drampa if a child have i said drampa yet if a child drampa 
<laughs> Leo takes it! Congratulations! <laughs> Thanks for writing with this game. Alright, if a child it has made friends with is bullied, Drampa will find the bully's house and burn it to the ground. Uh, 12-year-old wrote that. That could be, but it was a 12-year-old within Game Freak, because that is a real example. No! Yep. Leo what? Vader, Metagross. When hunting, this Pokemon pins the prey to the ground under its massive body. It then eats the helpless victim using the large mouth on its stomach. Twelve year old. Sorry, that is a real example. Really? I guess so. My twelve year old reading that. (laughs) All right, Kyle. Uh, Diglett. Diglett can tunnel at fifteen feet per second, and it launches its victim into the air from underneath, remaining practically undetectable. Its favorite food is worms, so he can eat on the go. That that no, that's a twelve year old. Correct. Because, Correct. because of the reference in Pokemon, worm. right? Ah, uh, I I still bet some Pokedex entries reference other animals that aren't Pokemon. They're a little yeah, fast. You know the list. weird thing. This is a tangent, but like yeah, they Tangela. they're all described as real Earth animals, right? Like ma- an electric mouse, right? Right. You know, for P- Pikachu's the yellow one. Uh, Jacob, you probably okay. seen him. <laughs> Pokachu. Okay. Um, but that's always been weird to me that it's like, well, you know what a mouse is, but. I don't, I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, Jacob, Frost Lass. When it finds humans or Pokemon it likes, it freezes them and takes them to its chilly cave where they become decorations. Uh, that's Pokedex. That is correct. Woo-hoo! Leo, Finneon. Finneon can swim approximately one one millionth the speed of a Shellos. It sometimes goes so slow that it freezes all of the water surrounding it. Pokedex? That is a student! Congratulations, student. You got one over on him. Uh, Kyle, Snorlax. (laughs) Snorlax acts helpless. Then when someone gets close, he then rolls over and crushes their body. I think that's a 12-year-old. That is very much a 12-year-old. But it's an excellent Uh, 12-year-old. Thank you. Thank you, Cree McGee, for writing in. That was uh, great. Burns, like burns the house to the ground. <laughs> what I cannot believe is... Oh, man. What's yeah. the balloon Pokemon? What is it? Drifloon. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's a whole quest that references that idea that their thing is their balloons, and they children get out of them like their yeah, balloons. Yeah, Drifloon. Maybe, yep. maybe just have Jacob look up Drifloon. <laughs> well, we don't want to tease people. Children grab onto these things, and then they're like balloons that just fly up into the sky and just like kidnap or kill these children. And there's a weird quest in Pokemon Legends Arceus where... This person's like, I can't find my child. And there's this, like, you then find the kid, like, behind this house with a Drifloon. It's, like, some weird back alley stuff. And the kid's like, the Drifloon wants me to touch it. And it's like, no, no, child, no. He will just ascend you into the sky. Uh, uh, what do y'all like for a question of the week? I like the one about gaming and substances. Game, ooh, interesting, yeah. That's good. Yep. Um, I like the um, first game we were hyped about. There's a lot of good ones this week. I like the superhero one. I like the, you know, perfect studio no run. Yeah. Yeah. Strongest studio. How much trouble like, we're like getting into? I like the hype one because uh, I liked hearing about the VHSs that uh, y'all old people would watch. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Dudley Kyle Lawhorn. You just won question of the week from I'm 8-Bit. They'll ship out the wonderful Switch game to you. So thank you so much for writing in. Thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Not only for supporting Independent Games Media. Sorry, I just and shifted to um, insincerity. Oh, it? It's out, oh. It was my Holly Hunter, which is my code for insincere voice. I don't but think so. 
I, I don't think so. Uh, but no, thank you so much for everybody that supports us on Patreon, and uh, we hope you enjoy the prizes that I maybe chips out. Uh, all right, well, hey, this is time for something that we call, hey, this is time for something we call, hey, this is time for something we call, get a load of this. All right, Leo, big hey. dog's gotta eat. Take it, dude, what do you got? Hey, it's time for something we call get a load of this. Uh, it's an article called Four Day Week and Overwhelming Success in Iceland. It's an article I rediscovered recently about uh, trials of a four day work week in Iceland and how uh, it resulted in the same or more amount of work in less time. And I really like articles like this. That's like, yeah, if some places are trying things that we don't dare that like challenge things that we've accepted because they've been the way that they are my our whole lives. But I think it's really interesting to read about. Yeah. Wait, is it Eidos Montreal that also shifted to four-day work week? There's some big studios that that tried it. Um, hey, call me when it's three days. Do you think anyone's going to try and one-up it and be like, you monsters at four? Are you nuts? Well, you say three and then you negotiate to four. Right, right. Smart. Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, remember last week I was talking about how I'm a little bit annoyed in Horizon Forbidden West because there's something breathy about Ashley Birch's performance and then a lot of people online were saying thank you for ruining that game forever for me because now I can't unhear it and it's driving me insane <laughs> turns out I was wrong because hey get a load of this um, the one and only John Carpenter the director of some of my favorite movies of all time including The Thing uh, he tweeted out Ashley Birch triumphs as Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West the new sumptuous epic action game so if John Carpenter loves the performance I will admit i was wrong imagine imagine being a video game voice actor and john carpenter is like, unbelievable yeah great job unbelievable like you know in this in this world you'd immediately think how do i make the most of this like what would you do if you got that is there anything you could do I'd to like bring it to the next together yeah with john carpenter <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about basketball or whatever the hell you want to just please john please uh well we know we know her reaction did you guys see her reaction she just Ashley said like Birches? no what did she say she said, thank you, John. I thought, I thought that's what it was. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just a nice, simple little thing. Uh, uh, Hanson, I pitched to you like a long time ago. I think it was when Blank Check was doing their run on John Carpenter that we should have him on for like a monthly segment where he talks about what he's playing. Yeah, have you I, made any progress on that? And I heard your pitch and I was just like, I don't want to. Um, so, <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Um, okay. Jacob, you got one, man? Lost. Uh, yeah, can I can I drop you a video in the Discord real quick? Uh, yeah, does it need audio? Uh, yes. Okay, well, I hope you like the sound of that audio. All right, um, do you want to set this up at all? Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> birds are crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and I've been I've been like watching a lot of videos about just like birds kind of doing weird mating dances but also like imitating things and this is just a video on reddit of like a bird talking so you're gonna hear a woman talking to the bird and then the bird talking back to the woman and it like it is it's all i can think about so that's the woman that's the bird no yes my sweet turd bird Who's my precious jabby bird? Who's my precious like, jabby that's the bird? bird? Who's my precious jabby bird? That's a Wiimote speaker. That's not a bird. What? That is insane. I don't know if I like wow. it. It's it's and then that video continues and she's like she has phrases that she's trying to get it to say and instead at one point the bird does a perfect R2D2 noise. 
No. Like, like it just, it just like it doesn't repeat what she said. It just makes exactly an R two D two noise, and it's like I, it's nuts. That is. I absurd. do want to say I definitely recommend the full movie that clips from Annihilation. <laughs> 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 uh hey kyle what do you got man oh man it's funny that i i had an animal noise video kind of recently too Is he was like kind of ripping thing? you off i was thinking that too man mm-hmm. i want to say it i want to say it uh hey get a load of this um duke Fazon killer seven tom on twitter sent me this video because i was tweeting about rhythm heaven and it's this guy on youtube that uh, set up this crazy contraption so he could play that Rhythm Heaven game where it's like the samurai standing by the fence and he has to like slash enemies as they come by. Yeah. I don't know if this is ringing a bell for you, but basically you have to kill enemies uh, in rhythm. You have to, you press a button to slash a sword. And what this person did is they set it up so like they have like a laser uh, pointing at their wall and when they break the line of the laser, it presses a button on their DS to play the game for them. So they're like, actually like pulling out their samurai sword to play rhythm heaven it's really weird (laughs) it's very cool that's cool links below for all this fun stuff uh chris n uh in the discord he shared a link to a story um that apparently near automata is getting an anime it's described as a tv anime so now we all get to experience that story it's a tv anime like a microwave anime that's right that's right um yeah that'll be fun to get some glimmer of that story and why people love it even though i beat that game a couple of times but not enough um maybe the anime will be a good way to experience it for folks um jacob geller thank you for being here dude my pleasure um where should people go if they want uh, more of your voice your beautiful voice uh you can follow me on twitter if you just type in jacob geller i'll pop up uh and and also on youtube where i recently had a video on that it seems like people like yeah you, the discord cut out but it was returnal uh so yeah returnal awesome. uh it's thank video. you thank you excellent video uh i watched the whole thing and i see so many people tweet about your videos i'm just so proud of you jacob it's, people love that crap man positive crap <laughs> it's positive crap man when do i stop it's total crap jacob it's just utter crap no it's cool it's cool uh also hey a reminder for folks that we have a music podcast called crossfade uh hosted by matt hogeson and co-hosted by jason daphnis um and the second season is aurora now it releases every other friday and this friday a new episode's coming out where they're covering the strokes based on a community vote the community really wanted them to cover the strokes which is interesting i wouldn't expect that was the band that people would go for but ended up winning the poll so that's what they're doing this week um but the last episode had dan reichert on uh to talk about uh, guns and roses and alice cooper is a fun episode so if you like music you like games, you like Dan Reichert, you like Matt Helgeson's sweet voice back when he hosted the Gameformer show, uh, subscribe to Crossfade on your favorite podcast app and let us know what you think. Leave a review, all the fun stuff. Um, and thank you to everybody who's at the $50 tier on Patreon, the Game Champion tier. There's a new month coming up. So if you jump in at that $50 tier and you choose any game under the sun, you can officially be the champion of it. Just like Roger Reichart is the champion of Super Castlevania 4, Kyle. So if you have any questions about right. it, you can go right for him. Beating Down Brian, of course, chose Dirge of Cerberus Final Fantasy 7, what we affectionately call the Dirty Dirge. I believe that was Grant who insisted on calling it that. Uh, Clemens Zobel is officially the game champion of Digimon World 3. 
a game that I had not experienced that much. Digimon World 2 was my jam, but it turns out World 3 seems to be the one to go to based on the reaction on Twitter, so congratulations to Clements. Uh, again, choose which game you want to be the champion of. We'll tweet out your choice, and also you'll be in the description for every MinMax video. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening and sharing the MinMax show. We hope you all enjoyed it. Um, does anybody have any wise words they want to get off their chest? Speak now or forever hold their peace. Get excited uh, for Elden Ring. <laughs> Yes, Leo? The cake is a lie. Hell yeah. Thanks <laughs> so much, everybody. Gamers in the building. <laughs> Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.